Everybody, welcome back. We are here in the choir room today for yet another character study. Yeah, we are winding things down. We are getting closer and closer to the end, but still plenty more to go uh, as we are here today to break down or to begin to break down the story of one Kurt Hummel. It is time to get into Kurt's story. Kurt is obviously a character who sticks around for all six seasons, is a pretty big player throughout the entire show. So we are going to have a lot to get into. And uh, as you probably already see in your feeds, this will be broken into three parts. As usual, uh, we are going to split it up as evenly as possible. So the first two seasons is what we will cover today. And then later on, getting into the bottom quarter, bottom third, I think, of Kurt's songs. I want to say he has 46. So we're going to get into the first 16 and go from there. I am excited to do so. Lots and lots to talk about with Kurt Hummel. Of course, I cannot do it by myself. I am Matt, your host, alongside my co-host, Amon Adwin. How you doing, Amon? I'm great. Um, Yeah, Kurt. Kurt, finally here, finally at this point. Um, I'm excited to talk about Kurt because I feel like he's probably, hmm, what's the word? I, I feel, I mean, aside gay? from Santana, well, yeah, gay, 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 definitely that. That's, <laughs> that's one of them. But I feel like aside from Santana, he's probably the, one of the most celebrated characters on the show, um, at least by the media. Maybe not so much by the fans because I know fans sort of soured with Kurt throughout the series. Um, but I, in the beginning stages of the show, he was very important because he was the gay character. And this still was like, what, 2009, which seems forever ago. I'm thinking about it now. And there weren't mm-hmm. a lot of TV shows that represented gayness and queerness in high school at the time on a major level. Yeah, there were some that were like specifically designed for teenagers, but Glee was one of those shows that was meant to grab a lot of people to watch. Um, and I feel like he was, you know, one of the most prominent gay characters um, in TV history and still mm-hmm. is. So, yeah, this is I think this is a really, really uh, important one today. Yeah, and we talk a lot about when in our other side of our uh, podcasting world, we talk about, you know, reality TV shows. And uh, recently, you know, the Big Brother Canada uh, nine season started and gasp, there are two gay characters on the one cast. I'm sorry, two gay men uh, on one cast. Uh, I think there was like four four or five uh, total LGBTQ uh, plus, you know, individuals on the cast. But yeah. uh, just one to lesbian, like, one bisexual, two gay men. <laughs> just, Tally it up, check it off the check it off the sheet uh, over <laughs> in the casting studio. Um, yeah, but they uh, but but for uh, you know early on here, uh, especially in you know at least in season one here, Kurt is going to be the only character uh, that, as far as we know, that you know is or at least uh, showing uh, being shown to the audience as a gay character. Uh, obviously, you know we're gonna get like cute little comments from Brittany and Santana along the way, but the only person who has a genuine story about um, you know about their queerness in the early parts of Glee is going to be Kurt. Uh, Once we get to season two and we get to meet Blaine and then, you know, Santana and Brittany are going to more uh, be developed characters and, uh, you know, maybe a couple of others along the way through the next couple of seasons, there's more. But, you know, early on when we set up the Glee Club, it was 
just Kurt. And that was, you know, like you said, it was such an important story because they were going for people who identified with Kurt uh, or just any other general outsider in a high school environment. So, yeah, a pretty important character uh, that did they do a lot with as much as they could have. We'll, we'll get into it all. Yeah, it yeah, it warrants discussion. Let's get into it. Let's get into it, sure. Uh, and obviously, you know, they have a lot of, uh, you know, they, they. I would say, okay, maybe I'm like, you know, right off the bat, let me not be too negative. They do give him a lot. They do have, you know, uh, he's one of the characters on the show, if not the number one character on the show with a family connection that you, you know, stick with throughout all six seasons. Obviously, the relationship between Kurt and his dad, Bert, uh, is one that is, you know, widely talked about even all these years later by people who were like casual Glee fans. So there's a lot to get into there. But Amon, set, uh, set us up before we even get into like, meeting Kurt of just like in general things about Kurt that we know uh for for him to be as a person well we meet Kurt as he is coming into his own he's very soft-spoken he doesn't seem to have a lot of friends but he does have a very strong fashion sense right off the bat we are seeing that he is very very meticulous with his clothing and what he chooses to wear um, he's also a very organized person. He's also a very well-read person. He's able to give a lot of, um, he has a lot of references to anywhere from Broadway to fashion to old movies, just any kind of thing. Like he's, you know, one of these, he's like an old gay man in a young gay man's body. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Um, he is being raised by his dad. Um, he lost his mom when he was really young. Um, and he is not out to his father, um, but he is one of these gay men that I guess is falls more into the stereotypical type of gay man. So his queerness isn't necessarily easy to hide. So even though he's doing a lot of bending over backwards to hide who he thinks he is, um, he doesn't. It, it you know it's not it's not it's not it's not exactly a big secret either. To some people, it goes right over their heads like Mercedes. But um, yeah, he's. He's definitely uh, out here fighting a, a losing battle, in my in my. <laughs> they were gonna say he's definitely gay. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely gay. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely, uh, you know, a character that we're going to see uh, as we, you know, go further into the series as well with a lot of similarities to Rachel. Uh, obviously, Rachel's supposed to be our main character. Uh, Kurt's not very far off from being one of our main characters. Obviously, he's in the core uh, six. And if you take it a step further into like the New York era, he's in the core like three, you could say. And even if you, uh, you know, as much as we would want to count Santana in that, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, the day, the show goes from seasons one through season six, following the story of Rachel and Kurt. Both of them uh, get plenty. Obviously, Rachel's going to get the most of anybody on the show, but Kurt still gets his, uh, you know, pl- plenty to to talk about here. Like you said, yeah, he's got um, a lot that went into his childhood. Uh, the fact that, you know, as we see, as he's an older person now, his dad, yeah, sure, his dad probably knew from the second he had those, you know, asked, asked for the pair of sensible heel- heels when he was younger, that he was raising, you know, a gay son, and he... Uh, uh, over the however many years between when, uh, you know, I guess when that happened or when uh, and when Kurt ended up coming out, uh, he was kind of working on like accepting it on his own. And then when eventually Kurt's going to come out, we see how that relationship develops. And of course, it's always going to be about the love, but, you know, it's not as easy for everybody to to get to where they want to get to. Um, but yeah, we can just keep on moving. Let's uh, let's get into season one where we're going to meet Kurt. Uh, obviously, uh, the Glee Club is going to get started here in the pilot. And of course, when we go back to two. 2009 
in uh, that season six episode. We get to meet Kurt a little bit more and find out a little bit uh, more about what's going on with him. He uh, seems to be getting thrown into the dumpster a lot, and uh, that's what we get to see of him in the pilot. Obviously, he also auditions with Mr. Cellophane, where he hits a super high note, uh, stands out a little bit in that way to Will. But it's uh, I think the 2009 episode is the one that really kind of brings it home about, you know, what what was going on with him at the time. Yeah, um, he is the victim of a lot of bullshit. Um, but at least Finn is smart, or not smart enough, but, you know, kind enough to let him take off his whatever the hell he was wearing uh, before throwing, <laughs> throwing him into the dumpster. But um, he, we're quickly going to find out that, yeah, he is he is very lonely. We don't really get to see a lot of this in, in the first season, but in 2009, does a, a lot of clarification for us. He is lonely, and he has gone to a lot of dark places um, in his mind. Um, he finds one of Emma's pamphlets talking about suicide. Emma, um, because of her OCD, is able to realize that Kurt was indeed looking at that specific pile, calls Bert in to have a chat with him. This scares Bert, and Bert immediately is going to tell Kurt that you need to, you need to find something to do because you spend all of your time down here alone with that stupid sewing machine. You need to be on a team by the end of the week or I'm taking it away. So whatever it is, go out there. And find it. And lo and behold, Mr. Shu is trying to put the Glee Club back together. So, of course, this is the first thing that he is going to try out for. He does, however, meet up with Rachel beforehand at um, um, the lunch table. Uh, and Rachel is, you know, her season one self. Very ambitious. Very uh, straight to the point. And uh, she even offers him a chance to sort of, like, sing with her and... Uh, they do Wicked together. They do Popular together. And Kurt is just really delighted to like have someone else that sort of shares his affinity for Broadway and musicals and shit like that. Rachel's not really trying to be friends quite yet. She's like, it's wonderful singing with you and everything. But like, no, it's dog or eat dog. So you need to you need to audition on your own. So yeah, he's left to audition with his, on his own. And uh, he, uh, he does a pretty good job with Mr. Cellophane. Quite yeah, the uh, uh, avant-garde performance. Working out. Yeah, it ends up working out just fine for him in the end. It's not like he needed Rachel to audition. But like you said, yeah, he made a bit of a connection there with yeah. somebody that obviously he's going to connect with in a big way going down uh, the, down the line into the rest of the show. Uh, so early on, he's like, oh, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, there's a connection here. Uh, but Rachel is uh, he's going to learn very quickly, very selfish and very self-centered and kind of only cares about herself. So, you know, there's Rachel. Um, but, yeah, no, it's really sad early on here. It's like just we see how bullied he gets. And it's like, you know, it's yeah. it's obviously like less about Kurt specifically and more so about the show being like, Oh, here's the gay kid that is obviously an outcast and is getting shoved into a locker because of his sexuality. And it's like, you know, that's always going to be a tough watch, whether it's this or any other show where that happens, because it's a very common depiction. It's also a very, unfortunately like common reality uh, that a lot of people went through or continue to go through to this day. Cause you know, we can't really change the world overnight. We're trying here. Um, but yeah, he's like, uh, he's like, I feel like if I die tomorrow, nobody would, even be sad. Nobody would remember me. It's like a very sad way that uh, he, he's out there thinking early on. But luckily, yeah, he does join the Glee Club. He makes friends with Mercedes along the way along the way as well. He like recognizes her from, you know, he's like, I know you're a huge star in your star in your church choir. He wants to be just like her. So the two of them kind of link up early on as well. So he goes back to his dad, tells him about how he joined the Glee Club. And his dad's a little like, oh, I would have hoped for like a sports team or something like that. You know, throw a ball, touchdown. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll get to that eventually, Bert. But uh, for now, yeah, he's just happy that Kurt found something to occupy his time. Like when Kurt shows back up at the tire shop, he is beaming. Like he's like, dad, I found I found a team. Like I'm going to have friends. We're going to sing. We're going to like 
perform like there are competitions it's, it is something that is like competitive so there's no you know nothing really that that Bert has to object about here and then the episode kind of closes out uh, or at least for Kurt uh, on Kurt's side of things where he's sitting there and I think he has a inner monologue where he's like he wants to say it he wants to tell, say like dad I'm gay and then his dad you know he was hoping that it was going to go well but he just couldn't really get it out in that moment so he does not say it there uh, it won't be you know too long it'll be a couple of episodes later in in real time in season one that that's going to uh, happen but for now we just see that he wasn't ready right away and uh, and, and yeah so there's Kurt. He's here. Yeah, and I, I love that scene. I think we've talked about it before. I love that so much because of just, like, the, the the want and the need right there. When you're at your happiest, when you feel like you found something that makes you happy to be alive and you just want to share it with somebody, um, and not only that, but you just kind of want to, like, be completely open and honest with them. Like, I've had so many times in my life where I've been on the precipice of coming out to someone, but especially it's on and it's usually on the heels of having something go really really well in my life and i just want to be able to experience that fully without having to you know let me not be too happy because these people don't fully know who i am yet and so i i love that scene because i've i found it so relatable um and it it a piece of me even though we spent you know because 2009 happens in season six right so even though i just spent the past six seasons knowing that he doesn't come out to his dad until later a piece of me was still like oh say it say it say it say it even though i knew it wasn't going to happen um Mm -hmm. but yes i i just really appreciated the, the fact that that scene got put in there and uh yeah yeah, no, it's definitely uh, it, it's it's like it's funny because like that scene happens in 2000 and uh, in, in the episode 2009 after we see how great their relationship has been throughout the years. To, so to like backtrack and go all the way back to the beginning and see like, oh, there was once a time where like he was not comfortable, you know, 100 percent around his dad. And his dad was like, you know, you, you still see that the love is there, but it's just, you know, they, they had a bridge to cross just like anybody else that has to come out to a parent or whatever. And, you know, eventually they got there. So uh, that's definitely worthwhile. And uh, as as we get to the journey of getting there, it's not going to be the most easy ride for Kurt here in season one. He's making some friends along the way, uh, kind of awkwardly. Sometimes those friends will fall in love with him really quickly. Uh, yeah, Mercedes, sorry to uh, put you on blast again here, but, you know, as the two of them are becoming friends, she kind of develops a little bit of a crush on him, uh, or just in the sense of, like, he's a boy that she is spending a lot of time with, and, you know, she's kind of looking for a man, maybe, here in these younger days, and she ends up thinking that maybe Kurt could be her boyfriend. Santana and Brittany are not helping because they like convince her that totally Kurt is definitely going to be into you. So we get to the car wash. Mercedes is like, hey, Kurt, you want to like make this official between you and me? And Kurt's like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, I I definitely have feelings for someone already. So I'm sorry. I I can't. Uh, And she's like, oh, Rachel. And he's like, oh, yeah, Rachel, Rachel. I I, I love Rachel. I'm sorry. Um, Obviously, it doesn't take long for us to see in season one that uh, Kurt is having a big crush on Finn just like everybody does. They're all attracted to Mr. Popular, the football guy here. Um, So yeah, Mercedes kind of going to, you know, bust the windows at his car and kind of, you know, ruin (laughs) his nice car and that kind of happens. But uh, eventually he is going to come to her later on and say, look, I'm sorry, I I lied to you. It's not Rachel. I am gay and you are the first person that I've ever told. And she's like, but you could have told me earlier. And he's like, but, 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 but you're the first person I'm ever telling. So like we're making progress here. Um, And she appreciates that he opened up to her. So, you know, eventually we get to a good place, but of course, you know, a rocky way to get there. And I mean, just shout out to Mercedes for being the Christian queen that she is and not being an ass about it and being like, Oh my God, you're going to burn in hell for the rest of your life. Um, I got to imagine that's what she said. Right. 
what a what a turn for that character that would have been. Um, but yeah, so it's it's definitely progress, right? Like once you start, once you start coming out, it gets just a little easier the next time. Mm-hmm. But he's still not quite there yet. But at least he has someone that he can be himself around um, a bunch, which makes it so much more frustrating throughout the series when it just seems like he really just kicks Mercedes to the curb, considering that strong connection that they had. But you know, I guess that's just kind of how things happen from time to time. Um, Bert's gonna f- come home and find Kurt. Doing single ladies with Brittany and Tina. He tries to blame it on uh, this uh, workout routine that he's doing uh, because he's on the football team now and he's dating Tina and he's also the kicker. <laughs> what a story. So, <laughs> I mean, look, he's, he's got that down. He can uh, just three lies. Make up a lie on the spot. Like, just damn. Um, so Bert's like, okay, yeah. Bert, I think we know, is smelling the bullshit. So he's like, all right, well, I uh, can't wait to buy a ticket to your first game. Um, now, what Bert really wants him to say, I'm guessing, is just for him to be like, look, I'm gay. I'm doing dances down here. And I'm sure Bert right then and there would have been like, look, I'm just happy that you have friends. You're usually down here alone with the, the sewing machine, but you have these two girls down here with you. Like, this is great. You're not going to, you're, you know, I'm not going to lose you. So, uh, right. but Kurt is still terrified. So he then goes to school. Begs Ken Tanaka to let him on the sh- on the team. He does a uh, a kick after his single ladies warm up. He's a pretty good kicker, so Ken puts him on the team. Um, Bert's very excited to come to the game, um, and it, it's the very it's the very first game of the season, and he helps win by making a pretty good kick. And yeah, Bert's just really really proud because he thought his son was lying, and he was, but his son <laughs> he made he's a better he kicker than he is a liar. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, after the game, he's going to uh, head home. And uh, like you said, Bert's very proud of him. So he's going to head on home and talk to his dad. And uh, we're finally going to get to it here. And I say finally as if it's been like, a, a, you know, a whole season. But no, he's going to he's going to come out to his dad. Um, he tells his dad down in the basement, you know, look, dad, I, I'm, I, he's like, I saw how proud you were of me. Um, I don't know why I just went through all of that just to get to where we are now. But enough of this. And he says, dad, I'm gay. And his dad looks at him, has a bit of a, you know, a, a bit of a look on his face that is like kind of confusing, if I'm remembering it correctly, of like, you're not exactly sure what he's going to say. I mean, you can hope that it's going to be, you know, something positive. And it, of course it is. Uh, he says to Kurt, like, I know I've known since you were three. You asked for a pair of sensible heels for your birthday. Uh, it's OK. It's great. It, that's that's fine. And, it, you know, Kurt's like, is that it? He's like, you know, not exactly thrilled with the idea. He's like, but I love you, Kurt. I always have. I always will. Like, nothing is going to change from that. And, you know, I don't know if Kurt was afraid that that might not be the case. I can totally see that it's possible that that is how he felt. Because, you know, anytime that his dad was approaching him about any of this stuff, he's like, oh, yeah, join a sports team. That would sound great. Um, It's like, you know, he always seemed to approach the idea. Like when he was talking about, you know, Tina's my girlfriend. It's like, you know, his dad had this look on his face that it just always seemed like this might not be okay. Obviously, Thank God it is, but um, I can understand why he would have been concerned more than maybe somebody else, like some other kid would, just because we've seen his dad there. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, he obviously, you know, his dad is trying. Like they, they portray Bert at first as like you know, like a like a guy's guy, you know, like a little rugged, like he works in a tire shop. Back in like my day, re- right. They're really trying to sell the image that he is someone that might not be okay with it. And it obviously it works on Kurt. And aside from that, there's plenty of other external factors that would make Kurt think that he's not going to get accepted. So 
it is refreshing. I, I feel like this is them really trying to like sort of like subvert our expectations as the audience um, that he would, you know, get some opposition here. I mean, which Kurt eventually does. It just doesn't come from home, which is which is great. And I think the overall message is just how gay youths or LGBT youth, all they really need is a support from home. And that's going to be able to, that's going to prepare them so much more for the shit that's outside, because if they can't even get the love and affection that they need at home, it's going to make it 10 times harder for them to be able to stand up for themselves and see the value in their lives when they do go to school and they undoubtedly get attacked and bombarded with bullies and all sorts of bullshit. So I'm just glad that we've established that he's like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, you know, it's not the best scenario that I had in my mind. It's not really what I pictured, but I love you just as much. And it's going to take some getting used to. And he asks before he goes upstairs. He's like, you sure? And dad's like, yeah, he's, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. sure. Yes. Th- th- thanks for asking. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I still want those fucking tensile play heels. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this relationship is definitely going to be, be put to the test multiple times throughout all six seasons. But, you know, even early on here, as we continue on in the season, uh, one day we find out that Will is having, uh, you know, some defying gravity might, might be happening at sectionals. And Kurt's excited about the opportunity to maybe be getting the solo for this. He thinks that, you know, fits right within his vocal range but within two seconds we find out that nope this is going to be Rachel so he goes home and he talks to his dad now feeling like you know he can open up a little bit more to him um, about just anything and he tells him you know I'm pretty upset because I thought that I would have a chance to sing uh, for for this song for the solo or whatever and it's it's Rachel's and Bert is going to immediately come to the defense of Kurt which seems like that's something that he would always do but now especially more because now he's trying to you know understand Kurt and to make sure that now now that he's fully aware that yes, you know, he's raising a gay son that like that nothing is going to, you know, he's not going to be, um, is discriminated the right word, uh, against because of the fact that he is gay. So he doesn't want, you know, he wants to protect Kurt. Um, so he comes down to the school demanding that Kurt at least has a chance to try out and will ends up agreeing. He's like, Oh no, 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 you're right. You're right. I, we should have auditions. So they both do, uh, defying gravity. Obviously we're going to see Kurt at the end of the song, miss that last note. Uh, and all the votes go to Rachel and to back things up, why did that happen? Uh, earlier in the episode, Bert got an anonymous call uh, from who knows uh, over at the tire shop where somebody got on the phone and said, your son's a F word, F-A-G. Um, and Bert was like very shaken up by that, uh, that somebody is, you know, attacking his son like that by, by contacting him, uh, that they're using that language about his son. It made him like furious. So Bert ended up telling Kurt about the call. And now Kurt is a little bit like extra on edge and extra concerned about his dad and he's like well he he started to feel like you know he was coming out a little bit more he was coming out to a friend he came out to his dad he's like maybe I can start to be more comfortable with myself and like let the world kind of start to see me but now that people are seeing him maybe a little bit more they're using it against him and using it against his dad and he doesn't want his dad to have to go through something just because of him uh so he's gonna you know both of them are, are gonna be the entire show you know wanting to be there for the other one so now kurt is taking a page out of his dad's book to try to throw this competition so he's like you know what i should not put myself in the spotlight i should take a step back here bert's not the most happy about that after kurt admits that that's what he did He's like, I don't want you to, you know, take away opportunities for yourself just for me. Like, absolutely not. Like, you need to go for it and, you know, get what you like. You Don't do that. Um, and he also points out, you know, Kurt, you're just like your mom. Like, you, my, your mom would have done that in a heartbeat as well. Uh, so, you know, just kind of bringing the connection all together there. Uh, and, yeah, it's disappointing that Kurt feels like he has to do that. Yeah, it's it's shitty. And especially because I believe, like, I mean, is I mean, <sighs> This is a solo for what performance exactly? Like, is anybody really gonna like who's 
whatever. Let me not go there. But anyway, um, I just um, I I like that Kurt has like the wherewithal to be like, you know what, Dad, it's not even that worth it. Like I don't like I'm I'm so proud that you are proud of me and that you would do something like this for me and stick up for me and all that. And that's all I really need. Does it suck that I can't get the solo because of idiots? Yes, but ultimately I'm gonna be okay. Um, and yeah, Bert isn't happy like you said, but he also is appreciative because it, it is a bit. It is he's like Bert's trying to 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 level with his son here, and he's trying to be there for him. But at the same time, it, it doesn't happen overnight. So the fact that Bert is like Kurt is willing to like give him a bit of a break here, it's like okay, you know what? Like well, now I can kind of calm down because now yeah. I won't be so focused on having to like fight this battle so hard because a battle that I'm not necessarily prepared for in every single way. So mm -hmm. I think that it was a nice thing for Kurt to do ultimately in, a, in, a, in an ideal world. Of course, he wouldn't have to do shit like this and the both of them could just be like, no, fuck you. Mm -hmm. Like he's going to get this solo and you're going to be, you're going to be mad about it, bitch. Yep. Like it is what it the fuck is. Yep. And aside from all the bullying, he's got uh, he's got crushes on his mind, too, because any, you know, young gay man in high school yep. is going to start yep. making some crushes, even if it's not one that can be realistic for you. So, uh, yeah, walk us through his uh, his his growing crush on Finn here. Kurt likes Finn. Rachel likes Finn. Finn is dating Quinn. Quinn told Finn that the baby is his. Ooh. Kurt gets paired up with Finn for a ballad competition in the Glee Club. Kurt is thrilled. Finn is like, eh, but they bond. And then Kurt starts giving him advice about Quinn. And Finn starts confiding with Kurt in Kurt about all of the stuff, which makes Kurt like him even more. So Kurt then goes to Rachel and sabotages their one-on-one -on -one time by telling her to dress like a prostitute 80s wench, which actually reinforces the connection that Finn and Rachel have. And so now uh, Rachel is forced to let Kurt know, like, look, you're gay. There's nothing wrong with that. My, my dad's are gay, but he's straight and you're not going to be with him. So you might as well just give it on up. So there Kurt is still at square one. Yeah, that was hard for him to hear. I mean, the whole thing with uh, with Finn, like like you said, like when Finn was like confiding in Kurt about all of the stuff with Quinn, like he felt like he was helping him and like he was growing a bond with Finn and they were getting closer and closer. And he was like, oh, Finn and I are, are there's something here. Uh, and as you know, as things all start to play out even further, it's like, no, Finn is Finn, like it, it's a sad reality that Kurt needs to get slapped in the face with. But it's not something uncommon, right? Like many gays will in their life fall for a straight guy. And whether it's like something that you realize on your own that this is not going to happen or you know that that Rachel uh, Barry has to come by and be like look I know this is probably not going to be easy for either of us but it's especially not going to be easy for you because that's not happening like I'm sorry there's just no I mean and, and it's not even just like oh like we're assuming that Finn is 100% straight it's just like come on look at look at it's it's Finn he's the quarterback captain of the football team he just got Quinn pregnant maybe uh you know he's been all over <laughs> me he was making out with me on the stage you know a couple weeks back and uh you know had to think of the mailman to stop himself like I'm sorry Kurt he's just not for you he's not going to be uh your knight in shining armor here so that's that's pretty harsh uh, for him to realize. And, you know, that's going to be a big factor as we get to, you know, a little bit later in the season where we're going to see uh, Kurt and Finn become not stepbrothers yet, but almost. Uh, obviously, that's eventually going to lead to that. But we're going to get to a point in the season where. Kurt is going to end up trying to get closer and closer to Finn by setting up Bert and Carol. Uh, 
together because obviously you know Finn has his mm-hmm. mom who is single uh, who is a widow as uh, well as his dad is and he sees the perfect opportunity to maybe make this happen he brings them together at a parent te- uh, some kind of conference or whatever uh, Finn obviously does not seem to like this right off the bat uh, he he's not down with the idea of like bringing in you know Bert he doesn't want to replace his dad like that's another another whole story that we got into on Finn's Finn's podcast but for Kurt here he's very excited this opportunity like he doesn't mind uh, that that Carol comes in like he thinks she's a great great uh, he's giving her a makeover and it gives him an opportunity to spend more time with Finn yeah um it's uh he's really scheming he it's very short-sighted I mean I, this is the third time that we've had to talk about this situation once for the episode again for Finn and now finally for Kurt and yeah Kurt you're dumb like you're <laughs> yeah this it's not gonna work Kurt like it it's not going to work. Uh, your parents coming together would make you stepbrothers, and stepbrothers aren't supposed... I mean, well, I don't know how they do things over in Ohio, but I just feel like... Stop it. <laughs> I just feel like that's looked down upon, at the very least. So, yeah, this is a very ill-advised plan, at least on the front of himself and Finn. For Curtin, or for Burton, Carol, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. And he does a really good service to the both of them because they both seem... They both take a very quick liking with one another and so and and see like the problem here though is that like you know as much as this is stupid in the first place Bert knows his son and he sees how weird he's been acting lately now that they're this is all coming together and uh like it's Kurt is just kind of all over the place here uh Kurt is talking about how now after this is starting to be a thing uh Bert and Finn are going to end up bonding over sports a little bit and Kurt realizes okay maybe this wasn't the best idea as he like watches them from outside the window seeing like how sad he is now because you know obviously Kurt's in this whole mindset of like oh no no, my dad doesn't love me as much anymore because there's another son here that he, you know, this is the son he never had. So uh, Bert's asking him, like, are you sure that this was all, you know, why you wanted me to, you know, this is, is this why you set me up with Carol, like to make me happy? Or is there some other reason as to why this whole setup is, you know, ended up happening the way it did. And, you know, Kurt's obviously not going to be like, Oh, because I love Finn. Like, no, that's not going to, he's not going to say it, but yeah, it's really starting to hurt him. uh, And and Bert is not going to break it off with Carol. Even if Kurt did say yes, he'd be like, all right, well, you're going to have to get over that fast because I actually like Carol. So you better get over (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But like, uh, Bert and Finn, like, God forbid, like, you know, they're uh, they're getting closer. This is a potential new family forming. Like, it's all working out. But, you know, I, I've, I think I've always said I understand Kurt's, like, insecurities here because of, like, all of the reasons that he has that, that start to, like, come to light that he just had not thought of prior to arranging this situation. Again, he's younger. He's not thinking about 100 steps ahead. He's just thinking, like, how do I get closer to Finn? He made a stupid call by putting them together, which wasn't a stupid call. It ended up being, you know, fate bringing them together, however you want to describe it. Because, of course, this family ends up benefiting all four of them in many different ways. And they all, you know, grow a big love between the four of them over time. But uh, just early on, yeah, it's it's going to really, you know, affect him pretty negatively. And both him and Finn are really not the most excited about it, even though Finn has started to connect with Bert a little bit more. He just, you know, they're not thrilled about it. Finn doesn't really want to ruin his mom's new happiness. He sees, like, how great uh Bert is treating her and he doesn't want to uh to break that up uh so you know they they end up just doing well for the most part Finn and Bert they're watching some football together and you know that's that um so as we go on we're gonna see that Kurt is going to try to make some changes within himself to see if maybe he can get his dad to start paying more attention to him again uh how is he gonna do that brings his voice down a little deeper brings uh you know some different uh wardrobe in to uh to make himself start look a singing stranger. John Mellencamp 
John Mellencamp gets involved. He's changing up his look a little bit. He brings Brittany over to make out with her and, you know, have Bert make sure he sees Kurt making out with Brittany, uh, you know, and Bert walks away being like, okay, uh, use protection if you, if you need to. And, you know, all right. Uh, and Kurt's not about to do that, but, uh, point is he's, you know, trying to, to force it here to see if, uh, he can get this to, uh, I don't know, just, just to get his dad to pay more attention to him again. Uh, Bert ends up coming by the school to pick up Finn for a baseball game that they were going to go to. And Kurt's like, this is so annoying. Like, this is not what I planned. This is not what I want. This is not what I planned. And I just got to say, I do not understand. And uh, he goes to the auditorium. He like lets out all of his frustration by singing Rose's turn in there. And his dad comes by because his dad was, you know, lurking around the school and he cancels the plans to go with Finn. He's like, Kurt, I love you. You, you have to understand that you are the most special thing in my life. You are look at how talented you are. Like there will never be anything or anybody that replaces the love that I have for you. Yeah. And yeah, I think this, this is more about Kurt than it is about Bert. I think, Maybe maybe there were some areas in which Burke could have been just a little bit more sensitive, but I think Kurt really is just grappling with the fact, once again, like it's all the insecurities that he's ever had that just start bubbling over, never being masculine enough, never being able to be the son that his dad wants to talk sports, to talk girls all that stuff like he's never going to have that with his with his dad which sucks because it's not like his dad is completely open to being the reverse of that for him like he can't really go to his his dad about boys quite yet i mean there's going to be a time when they get there but not yet and so um it's it hurts because he wants to be able to be close with his dad in 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 all areas but that's just not the case right now which he has to teach himself is also okay like if 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 Bert and Finn are hanging out and having a good time with one another, that's okay. Like it doesn't mean that he me- loves you any less. Sure, he might you know uh, find things. He has more things in common, but that's okay. Like my mom probably has more things in common with a bunch of people. My dad has more things in common with a bunch of people than he has in- with me. But that's still my dad. Like, right. <laughs> like what you gonna do? Mm-hmm. You ain't going nowhere. Yeah, so he's going to end up, uh, Bert and Carol are going to uh, end up deciding to bring the family together. They're going to have uh, Finn and Carol are going to end up moving in with Bert and Kurt, which is all great. Uh, you know, seems like uh, not the not the worst thing now that the family has kind of all bonded. But obviously, this isn't going to be a great thing for Finn in particular, because uh, as much as Kurt likes this new setup, because uh, they're going to be sharing a bedroom and Kurt is not mad about that, uh, which is still, you know, a little strange because this is his, you know, pot- again, potential stepbrother um and he wants to spend time with him like what like why else does he want to spend time with him because he thinks that he can be closer to him and i mean uh, for all the reasons that finn is uncomfortable about it about you know i don't want to change around you i don't want to you know spend all this time you touching my face and everything i know you have a crush on me like he says that to him he's like very upfront with him saying i understand like what is happening here i'm not an idiot and kurt i don't know if he even like i think the i think the point that we kept getting at is like does he even realize how obvious he's being about all of this does he realize that like his heart eyes are you know are like popping out of his head uh every time that finn's around and like honestly like you you, i hate to like say it like this but like when finn is changing you probably have kurt sitting there staring at him and like that's why finn's uncomfortable about it because he doesn't want like not just because he's straight one straight one's gay it's because we're we're living in the same house we're gonna be stepbrothers this is all just not a good situation it shouldn't have happened like this we should not be sharing a bedroom like finn has never made it at any point made it seem like there's a problem with kurt being gay but there's a problem with the relationship between the two of them progressing in this way um but finn you know could have had that 
that conversation with him, but instead does not take uh, the next step or his next words very carefully and decides to, you know, lash out on Kurt and all of the new decorations in the room by making fun of Kurt's lamp or not making fun of it, but calling it, you know, the again, the F word comes out um, and he yells at him and Bert runs down the stairs. How many times are we going to rehash this scene? But from Kurt's perspective with all of this, Kurt is just sitting there. And once he realizes the magnitude of like how upset Finn is about what was going on, the fact that he used that word that like otherwise Kurt would never have expected him to use. And then Bert comes downstairs. Mm-hmm. His dad comes down and kicks Finn out of the house. Kurt is so uncomfortable. Like he just sits there. He's like holding himself. He's just like, you know, like arms crossed, like does not know what to do, does not know what to say, does not know where to look because he realizes that like of a of a majority of what just happened, like he brought this on, like by no means are we blaming Kurt or am I blaming Kurt for the, for what came out of Finn's mouth there. But he realizes that he was pushing Finn so much to get to the point where it just like he, he made him that uncomfortable. And then Finn ended up saying that. And now he's upset right. that Finn said that it's just overall all around messy. Now Bert's involved. It's just not good. Yeah, this is this this whole thing is a mess. It's a hodgepodge of emotion because it's definitely not black and white because on one hand, you got Kurt, who did do a lot of this with the intention of spending more time with Finn. He built up this big fantasy in his head that he, you know, I guess with by proximity, Finn would like fall in love with him and then they would be together. And Finn's not an idiot. He knows that that sort of thing is happening. And so he lashes out. I mean, all these things are changing around Finn as well. He's got to give up his own room at the house that he grew up in. He, you know, was he was he was able to sort of like get over the fact that his mom was moving on and has moved on to Bert. And now that's now it's just a lot of like change in a small amount of time. And so Finn mm-hmm. is going to lash out and he lashes out in a really bad way. And I don't know if I agree with Bert kicking him out. I don't know if I agree about that, especially since you know, like where the hell is Carol? But like, as far as Kurt is concerned, like I think that this moment for him, he understood that he was at fault. I wish mm-hmm. that there was a bit of a um of that conversation between him and Finn. Like when Finn comes in full gaga drag and says, you know what, you are my little brother now and I, I gotta I gotta take care of you and I have to stick up for you. I do wish that there was a moment of Kurt to be like, you know what, I was sort of wilding out there, like and I it, that was kind of you know, I shouldn't have like been throwing all of this stuff at you in the room and I could have, you know, I could have, you know, went a little easy. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like it's I feel like it's definitely well covered that that Finn was the one in the wrong there for for what right. he said. Yeah, but I, I feel like it's clear. definitely I want to be not. clear. Yeah, like I don't want people to think that I am you know saying that Finn wasn't in the wrong because he was because what what the, the words that he the verbiage that he used was just uncalled for and just not okay. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that Finn's feelings of just frustration and discomfort aren't valid. Right, like Kurt, you don't have to drape the room in Indian fabrics and all put all these lamps everywhere and these diff- like it's just you know like have some it wasn't just the decorations yeah it wasn't just the decorations and it wasn't like, yeah exactly like ha- like you know be mindful of how you are behaving around someone else especially mm-hmm. when you're supposed to be brothers like come on you know everybody deserves to feel comfortable in their own home yeah, it takes a while for the two of them to really like get back on the same page. Like you said, you know, you mentioned the Gaga of of it all, where Finn comes by to try to like you know to make things right, and by helping Kurt out when he's about to get bullied yet again by Karofsky and Azimio, you know, the two that are going to give him a hard time for uh, about two seasons straight. There, uh, so he tries to you know make things right, but it's not really uh, you know one moment here is not really enough. There's still you know they gotta you know just kind of let time heal this wound because uh, you know it was just it was again it was messy. Obviously, you know. 
know, Finn isn't getting kicked out of the house permanently. So eventually things are going to kind of go back to normal uh, and hopefully changes are going to be made back at the house. We never really can kind of get like full clarity on, you know, are they there? They're probably not sharing a bedroom going forward. Like, like he was going to, you know, Bert was going to build something else upstairs, like make an extension on the house or whatever to make, you know, room for everybody. So, you know, I guess assume it over time that they all ended up, you know, happy with the situation, especially as the two of them, uh, Bert and Carol are going to get married. So yeah, uh, they, they end up working through it all. Kurt, you know, has to, uh, you know, kind of recognize where he was at fault in there. Cause it's very obvious where Finn was at fault in there. Um, as far as the rest of the season goes here for season one, the new directions lose at regionals. Everybody's pretty sad, uh, until, you know, the club gets saved in the last final seconds of it. Uh, we get, you know, the time where, uh, all of the kids are singing to will, or they're about to, and they all mention like what the year was about for them, uh, specifically like, you know, uh, what, like how they, how they've been affected or how they've changed since before there was even a glee club. Kurt in that moment talks about how, you know, he wasn't really honest with who he was or about who he was. Um, and you know, we can tell how far he's come since the start of the year for sure. Uh, you know, not that we are in a great place at this point, like we're still getting there, but he's a 11th grade, you know, young queer person with no other queer people around him to really bounce off of, of like, you know, thoughts or, you know, growing up as a young queer person. Like he's, I'm sure like, you know, he's got his idols on Broadway and this and that and all these people who are probably, you know, many of them have talked about this kind of stuff before and, you know, whatever. But that's, it's just, it's such a, you know, a tough thing for him to be going through and anybody in Kurt's position to be going through all by yourself. Friends might be there for you. Dad might be there for you. But, you know, you're still kind of navigating this world, uh, writing the playbook on your own as you go while stealing, you know, not stealing, but getting ideas from other people. So, you know, he's had a decent year. Obviously, there's still a lot more to go with him. Um, the only other thing that, from season one that we kind of passed over, um, I wanted to uh, highlight the fact that he was on the Cheerios for a couple minutes. Uh, so uh, the relationship between Kurt and Sue is going to be one that obviously is a much bigger factor in like season two and six, I guess more specifically, but, uh, it's, it's very early on that. Like there is something that is within Kurt that, uh, Sue is drawn to the, like the, the, she says it in season six, like she specifically talks to him about like from day one, I knew that there was like something within you that I was like, that I was fascinated by or whatever it was. So, uh, Mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, he spends some time with her ends up on the Cheerios for a minute or two, him and Mercedes, you know, go over there to like, try to get some time with the solos since obviously will is giving all of the attention to Rachel for the majority of the season. Um, you know, that's just uh, something else that he has going on. Yeah, that is an interesting note to make. And I guess we'll talk about it more as we go go through the seasons. But Sue really does sort of, like, I think, take, like, a special kind of liking in her own weird way to him. Because in a lot of ways, I mean, granted, she had to do her job. And we're going to talk about it in this, in season two, when it came to, like, the whole Karowski situation. But I think it still stands to be said that, Sue, like, for Kurt, like, he's the only student that Sue ever really went to bat for. Like, mm-hmm. Anybody else that, like, crossed her, like, she was kind of mean to them. Like, Santana was mean to her. Uh, Quinn kicked her off the Cheerios. Like, uh, I mean, I guess there's a case to be made for Brittany. We just got done talking about her. But, like, she really intervened in a very powerful way that I guess I guess was never really required of the other students. But I think it's just an interesting distinction. So, yeah. Yeah, their relationship comes up a lot more, especially as we get into season two. So I guess that's kind of like a natural, uh, you know, transition to to get into there. But it's just uh, you're going to see a lot more of like how much she does seem to care for him, which is strange because, you know, he's not I mean, he's a cheerio for like five minutes, but he's not actually, you know, somebody that spends a lot of time with Sue. But she's drawn to him. She sees that he's an outcast. She sees how much like out of all the kids, like he doesn't have some kind of big ego that carries him like to, that annoys her uh, like there are a couple of the other Glee kids do. Uh, you know, there's 
no like you know pregnancy scandal with Kurt that's uh, you know getting in Sue's way of a national championship. So she does uh, take a bit of a liking to him. Uh, season two, we get into it. There's not much happening in like the first two episodes besides Kurt uh, screaming at Will that he wants to do Britney music, and then he ends up getting in trouble, getting sent to Figgins' office for it. Um, which is just an, uh, one of many examples of like Kurt will fight to like like to the death of anything that he believes in, uh, even if it's just we should do Britney music. Like he will not let it go. <laughs> he would not let it go. Uh, he uh, is going to badger and just dog Mr. Shoe um, to do some Britney music. And he just keeps telling him no. And he eventually is going to lash out, get sent to the principal's office all over Britney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, I think it was a noble cause because then look what it births in this episode. You know? Right. So... Hey. But he really like any anything that he like he gets this idea about this or that like he is going to go to bat and make sure that you know he defends the things that he wants to defend. He's very passionate about whatever he decides to be passionate about. So you know that's just another quality in Kurt for better or worse. But uh, grilled cheese Saman is where we're going to really start to kick off the season in the life of Kurt Hummel, um, and it's really not in a very fun way. This is the episode where Bert is going to unfortunately have a heart attack, and it's going to be a lot of religion talk, um, and Kurt specifically does not really believe in much of any of that stuff yeah so i mean it's 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 a good episode because it talks about the dialogue between homosexuality and the church and how um, a lot of religions are still trying to figure out where it is that they stand nowadays a whole 10 years later we are in a position where one of the largest um, churches in the world one of the most powerful religious leaders in the world has um, embraced homosexuals in the church the pope himself um, but that wasn't the case always back then, especially when this was being made and especially before this was being made. Um, so, yeah, he's not really keen on all of the kids that want to come and give prayers, whether it's someone Jewish like Rachel or someone Baptist like um, Mercedes or um, whatever the hell Quinn is. <laughs> Just he's not really int- very interested in any of that. It even gets to a point where they all go behind his back to the hospital, which I don't know how they got in there, I guess. I guess Carol let them in there, I guess. I think so. Um, and Kurt, or excuse me, uh, Mercedes, Rachel, Quinn, I think somebody else are all in there praying and singing music to Bert in, you know, in an effort to help him heal from his uh, heart attack and the coma that he's now in. Um, and Kurt comes in and he's kind of upset by it. He's like, I can't believe that you guys would come in here. I told you guys I don't really want any of this stuff. Um, but Mercedes does extend another hand here. Which, you know, props to Mercedes again for being an example of, 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 a, of a Christian who believes in love first at all times. And she invites him to, to her church to listen to her sing for him and for his dad. And we can tell, as always, when Mercedes sings that something gets moved within Kurt. I mean, it's not a big, it's not an entire shift, but it does at least get a di- an inner dialogue going for himself where he is, you know, questioning whether where he stands with faith because religion doesn't necessarily always equate faith and vice versa. So, yeah, I think I like this episode because I think it's I think it's an ongoing conversation um when it comes to Jesus and God and and the gays. Yeah, season two is going to be a big one for Kurt. Uh, he's got a lot going on here, and it starts off with something that's not necessarily this go uh, that's going to be like you know super pre- prevalent in his stories uh, in his story going forward. It's going to be uh, a lot more about the bullying uh, going forward. But at least like early on here, it's yeah, uh, you know, just 
really hitting you in the in the feels here with this uh, of what happens to Bert. And, you you know, you're obviously very uh, sad for Kurt and you're appreciative of all of his friends that are coming to help him out. And I do think that this episode kind of has more to do with like less so about Kurt as a character and more so to do about like Glee wanted to do an episode about religion and, you know, the different aspects and different ways that people handle religion, people that are super into their faith, people like Kurt who are just completely like, not, you know, do not believe in it at all. Um, and, you know, they they use that theme and also kind of just tie in some other storylines, continuing to see how co- uh, close Kurt and his dad are. And, you know, just to kind of, uh, I don't know, bring it all together in an episode that I think most people agree lands really well with, with uh, you know, that in a way that uh, kind of is a jokey episode because of the fact that Finn is talking to a grilled cheese sandwich with Jesus Christ on it. So, you know, they uh, they do quite an episode there for that. But um, overall, you know, the uh, I think the takeaways from that are, yes, Kurt is not the most religious guy. Uh, and like you said, and how that affects him as regards to his sexuality and the fact that, you know, Bert is uh, going to be going through some health issues throughout the entire length of the show. And Kurt is always going to be there to uh, help him out, to take care of him. Like the whole episode started off with him bringing his dad a healthier breakfast because he's like, you have to watch what you eat. You're getting older and you're not, you know, you don't eat very well. So we got to wa- we got to work on that. So. Uh, that's what's happening there. And uh, the relationship between him and his dad are, you know, it's it's going to continue on. We see that in the duets episode after Kurt is kind of eyeing Sam, you know, so who cares? He has another crush on another guy. Uh, maybe there's a chance. He doesn't push as hard with Sam as he does with Finn in season one, especially when he realizes that it's probably not going to happen here. Um, you know, he thinks there's a chance because he thinks, you know, he's pretty sure that Sam dyes his hair. And if that, you know, is the case, then that probably means he's gay because that's Kurt logic for you. But uh, no, when he finds out that's not really going to work, uh, Bert is really the one that kind of gets in his head there to be like, because Finn was also trying to stop Kurt from doing that uh, duet with Sam. But when Bert talks to him and he's like, dude, you got to You got to relax a little bit here. You got to sit back, think about this. Like as I, I fully agree with you that you should not have to worry about something like this, but this is the reality of the situation. Like, remember last year, essentially, like, you know, you know, when you tried to help me out by, you know, by throwing that audition because you knew that it was going to keep me a little bit safer. It's essentially the same thing here of like, you know, I, I don't think you should have to, you know, not ever be friends with Sam or anything like that, but this guy is brand new to the Glee club. You know, you're trying to get him acclimated into the group and, you know, he's on the football team as well. I don't know if it's the best idea for you guys to be singing a duet together. Uh, I still don't think that that like I and like I'm talking it all out because of like that's the story. I still don't think that that's entirely fair to Kurt. Um, but that's just the story that, that he has to go through here, uh, and he has to end up breaking it off with Sam. So, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's one of these uh, chats where I feel like it's I feel like we see this again towards the end of the season where Bert is like oh, I know what you're trying to do. Like you're trying to stir the pot a little bit. Like you're you mean you you are you know troublemaker. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, and I get it because, like, on one hand, I don't want I, I, I want for you to have the same kind of experiences that other teenagers do, right? Like the falling in love, the crushes, the all that shit. But like, you got to make sure that you're doing it with the right people. And when I say the right people, I mean other gay people. Like, <laughs> don't open yourself up to to more heartbreak and frustration and discomfort. I mean, you saw what happened with Finn last year. Like, come on, like, come on, like, let's you know. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's great that he was able to sort of like have his dad to sort of like you know check him on this and i love this moment between him and rachel as well when rachel is able to because rachel's out here trying to make sure that quinn and sam are winning the suicide competition but the and out of the corner of her eye she's able to see like look uh kurt i know that you 
are alone. We're we're kind of one and the same. Under the tr- we're we're kind of like isolated for different reasons. I'm not trying to equate my thirst for stardom with any of the struggles that you're going through right now. But I know that you're lonely, but you're not alone. And so she sings one of my favorite Glee songs ever with him. Um, and this is one of the best episodes of the series. Just say it. Okay. Uh, happy days are here again. Get happy. Yeah, they, they sing together there. Um, and yeah, it's uh, just oh reinforcing the friendship between the two of them, between Rachel and Kurt, because uh, it's not going to be something that like we see as much until we get into like, you know, season three a little bit more. And then as they spend the rest of their time on the show together, uh, you know, being best friends forever. But uh, they still drop some hints early on here and there about, you know, the fact that these two are, are going to be connected more. Uh, more so later on but the whole season here is uh really going to get started in episode five it's never been kissed what we are getting at throughout these first you know 22 episodes in season one and then four episodes in season two which makes 26 episodes is that kurt has never had somebody that he can fully relate to fully get him fully you know talk to and 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 just kind of like be able to openly speak with about anything and not feel judged and 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 maybe even you know obviously for all this time he's wanted kind of like to have some kind of romantic interest in a guy and that's never been a realistic possibility for him because you look around and where are the other gay guys not in McKinley that's for sure or at least not that he knows of one one is a lot closer than he thinks but that's another story uh and not something that comes up just yet uh so it's time the the writers decide it is time to get kurt somebody to date somebody to like somebody to fall in love with and they think you know we we talked we've talked about this plenty that it could have been sam there was a test episode there with the duets episode maybe it was going to be sam it was not going to be sam because of course darren chris is going to show up on the set show up on glee uh end up uh, getting cast as of course blaine anderson amon and uh, never been kissed we are going to have kurt meet blaine for the first time Yep, he goes to Dalton Academy, sneaks over there to see how the other people live, and we got that iconic shot of them running with awkward matched hands <laughs> down the uh, Dalton Academy hallway in slow motion. He uh, sings Teenage Dream with the Warblers. It's a whole moment. It's a cultural icon and statement within Glee. Um, Kurt instantly falls in love, like... The emphatic clapping and wide-eyedness after that performance. I'm like, oh my goodness, just just drop your panties right now, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, he's able to even confide in Blaine after the performance and let him know like how you know what his experiences are like at school. He tells him about Karovsky and how it's just escalating and it's getting worse and no one really seems to know what to do about it. Um, and uh, Blaine is going to tell him, courage. <laughs> That's it. Hashtag courage. That's, I mean, that's it. All you got to say. Courage. Courage, my friend. Yeah, things have been getting so bad for Kurt uh, back at school. Like, not only like, you know, with all the everything that I was just saying about, you know, he has nobody to genuinely talk to, connect with, that uh, can can be on his level. Uh, the bullying has, has only gotten worse since season one. Uh, we see at the beginning of this episode that Karofsky is, like, shoving him into a locker, like, every other period. Like, it's just, it's so bad. He is, you know, yelling, like, like awful things that occurred in the hallway. Uh, and you know, we, we get that at the beginning of the episode there as well, uh, with the boys versus girls competition, Will is about to organize again. And Kurt is always trying to like sneak off to hang out with the girls because he feels more comfortable with them, but Will doesn't let him. So it's just one thing after another. He's just constantly feeling like he's 
somewhat that like he's on the outs. He doesn't have anywhere to turn to. Uh, and when he at some point does end up standing up to Karofsky, Karofsky literally threatens him, like threatens his life. And uh, like, well, no, I'm sorry. Maybe I think the life threatening, I think is later on. But uh, either way, you know, being awful to him, uh, there's not much that Will and Sue are even going to do here. Like they try to keep an eye on it uh, at, at some times. And Will's like, you know, Kurt, are you OK? It's like, no, go suspend that kid. Like, what are you doing? You idiot. Will, what is wrong with you? Um, but yeah, so when he goes to Dalton and he talks to Blaine and he's like, this is what I've been going through. And I'm looking around here and I feel like I'm in just this like, you know, utopia of just it's perfect. Like everyone seems so nice. It doesn't seem like anybody is like, you know, I, I'm not seeing people being shoved into lockers. He's like, is everybody gay? <laughs> and they're like, no, not everybody's gay. He's like, well, some of you are. So that's good enough for me. Um, so, okay? Yeah. <laughs> So it just seems like such a great environment that it's like if if he could snap his fingers and be there as a student, I think he would in that moment, even though like all of his friends are still behind. Um, you know, that's it's just this is so cool here. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a whole new world, a whole new world where bullying and gay bashing doesn't exist. Well, it still exists, but just not there. Um, yeah. Zero I mean, it's. Yeah, they're more tolerant there. We just they have a no no uh bullying tolerance to, no what is it no tolerance bullying zero tolerance know, policy it when it comes to bullying. There you go. Again, when it comes you to you shove bullying. a kid into a locker, we shove you out of the school. I don't know why it took my brain so long to like figure out the words to use for that scenario, but yeah, that <laughs> that's what's going on over there at Dalton Academy, and Kurt wants in. He wants out of McKinley, and he wants in at Dalton because things are just getting really 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 bad Karofsky is going to continue to to do his bullshit with Kurt and he is eventually going to like Kurt's going to stick up for himself at some point and be like like, what are you doing like why are you acting like this like what is what the fuck is your problem and he follows him into the uh into the locker room and Karofsky is like telling him to leave him alone or he's going to like pound his face in but Kurt's like you know what no like go ahead and hit me go ahead you've you've already been hitting me like go ahead and keep doing it like I'm not going to stop being gay like get over it and then Karofsky just lays one on him just lays one on him you know, that that the, the, that sound suggests that it was good. It it wasn't even a good kiss. It was like, it was like a a, a quick like like. I it was like a like burrowing. A... He like burrowed his lip. <laughs> yeah, like it was not even a mash off with two yeah. sets of lips, <laughs> just mashed together. In a very quick, intense moment. Karofsky, obviously, we learn in this moment here that, uh, I mean, maybe it's not spelled out for us, but we see what's been going on here. Karofsky has been bullying Kurt for all this time because Karofsky Karofsky himself is seemingly at least into guys, if not fully gay. At least he's into guys. And he is obviously hating that about himself because as soon as he does that and kisses Kurt, like Kurt didn't do that. He he went and he kissed Kurt. Uh, He punches a locker, storms out of the room because he can't believe that, you know, all of that that had been building up, he actually went ahead and followed, you know, whatever his gut was telling him to do and kissed this boy. So he did it. And now he, you know, is pissed off about it. Kurt tells Blaine about what happened because... Uh, sorry to Kurt, but like, you know, that, that was Kurt's first kiss, first ever kiss. Kurt says to Blaine, you know, I've never kissed anyone before. And now I just had my first kiss from a homophobic bully uh, who hates himself. So they end up, you know, Blaine shows up at McKinley to come try to like comfort him and be there for him a little bit. Cause you know, he still hasn't left McKinley yet. Uh, they end up finding Karofsky and, you know, Blaine is the one who tries to stand up to him even more and be like, 
just, you know, just let's talk about it. You know, we can work on accepting you and accepting yourself and, and all this kind of stuff. And Karofsky is not having any of it. So, you know, they end up, uh, you know, splitting off from him. Blaine's going to take Kurt out to lunch to try to cheer him up. And, you know, after a couple of days of knowing each other, we go back to Kurt's locker later and we see that he has a picture of Blaine hanging up in his locker, which now, you know, has the caption or not the caption. Like it says right next to it, courage. So he's obviously got Blaine on the mind. He is falling really hard for this guy. He's looking at him as like a very, you know, big source of inspiration, of, of courage, uh, for sure. So uh, that's going to be a connection that is obviously going to continue to grow in the season here. So, yeah, so next up on the docket, Bert and Carol getting married. Finn's a little hesitant. Kurt is over is just overjoyed. He's already, you know, picking out wedding venues and reception ideas and dress ideas for uh, for Carol. But first things first is that Bert has got to learn how to dance because he can't dance for shit. Um, he's going to give... Both Finn, because Finn also can't dance. Finn and Bert dancing lessons at the school. Um, Karofsky's dumbass is stupid enough to try and uh, make fun of Kurt in front of Bert. Bert freaks the hell out. Um, he's like, "Who the hell is that? What did he just do to you?" He's like, "Oh, don't give me, don't don't worry about it, Dad. It's just some guy that's been giving me some trouble." He's like, "Oh no 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 no! Oh, we're we're gonna we're, I'm gonna worry about it." So he goes and like assaults Karofsky, and. He's really pissed off at Finn because he's like, where the hell have you been while this has been going down? Like, what the hell's been going on? This all culminates into a gigantic meeting between uh, Carol, Bert, Karofsky, Kurt, Karofsky's dad, Figgins, and Sue, and Will. Um, And they talk about what's been going on. Kurt says that he's been threatened. His life has been threatened. All of this shit has been going down. Uh, Mr. Shu backs him up. And Karofsky, you know, Karofsky's dad is like, you know what? You have been acting weird lately. Like, what's going on with you? I don't know what's been going on. Like, they probably might be telling the truth. I want to go to bat for you here, but mm-mm. Um, and uh, I guess Figgins isn't there because it's just uh, Sue as the principal. And she says, you know what? I can't have one student, you know, threatening the life of another. You are expelled. So Karofsky's up out of here. Yeah, we we uh, kind of like for a brief moment almost forgot about the fact that he was getting bullied so bad because there's an episode in between where, you know, we're just kind of seeing the further evolution of him and Blaine's uh, friendship. They go out to dinner with Mercedes as Mercedes is having her own, you know, lonely issues. Um, But -hmm. like Kurt and Blaine go out together and we get the the infamous scene between the two of them of gay, 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 gay. I open my mouth and my mouth and a little purse falls out. Uh, You know, obviously a very funny (laughs) scene between those two. Um, They just are connecting over the fact that they have, you know, I, I wish Blaine does have other gay friends at Dalton, it seems like, but uh, him and Kurt just made a connection, and Kurt is like opening up to this person that he's like, f- again, how many times have I said this by now? Finally has things to talk about, things in common, somebody that will actually care about, you know, the latest this in the magazine and what this person wore to this and whatever. So, you know, all of that is going super well, but, you know, with everything that happened with Karofsky, the fact that they did just have that awful, awkward kiss, and Karofsky has now threatened Kurt's life, saying, like, if you tell anyone about this, I will kill you. Kurt is terrified. So when Karofsky continues mm-hmm. to start, like, breathing down his neck and, and and he's just constantly on top of him, it's it got to a point where it was just like, you know, luckily Bert was there in that moment, because if he was not, Karofsky would have continued to harass Kurt. Who knows if Kurt would have, uh, you know, at the end of this episode we're going to see Kurt makes the, the decision to leave, uh, to leave McKinley, but if Bert had not been there at that time, Finn was doing sh- jack shit. He wasn't there. He wasn't doing a thing. His, you know, his new stepbrother, his about to be stepbrother. They, Bert and Carol are getting married. This is about to be a family. 
Karofsky is out here uh, terif- uh, terrifying this kid on a daily basis, threatening his life if he tells anybody about what happened after Karofsky was the one who kissed him. Uh, so, you know, all of this is happening. Kurt is going through it right now. Um, and, you know, his parent, uh, you know, his, his dad's about to get married. So it's just one thing after another. Finn's not there for him. So when all of this kind of comes crashing to a head with that meeting in Sue's office, yeah, Figgins is not there. Uh, and she expels Karofsky. It's like, oh, we can breathe. Karofsky's gone. Like, you know, a big sigh of relief. We can all go to the wedding. We can all have fun because Karofsky's gone. So we go to the wedding. Obviously, a beautiful time. The vows Bert and Carol both give are very nice. Carol mm-hmm. talking about how happy she is to now have a son that another son that is going to, you know, keep her looking good, you know, as she gets older. So uh, she's very happy about that. And Finn's going to try to make up uh, make things right with him. He sings just the way you are to Kurt to be like, look, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, I, I have made, I've made a big mistake by not being there for you, but I'm going to fix that. I do love you. Like you're my, you're my bro and I want to be there for you. So he tries to fix things with that. And, and it seems to, you know, work pretty well. Kurt's smiling throughout that just the way you are performance and the wedding goes off super, super well. But then we get back to school and we find out that Karofsky was not in fact uh, expelled. The school board deterred, uh, uh, deterred, what am I trying to say? Uh, 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 turn the other, turn the, no, I, I don't know what, there's a, there's a different word and I'm not getting it right now. The school board reversed. I reversed. think it's reversed. Reversed mm-hmm. uh, Sue's decision to uh, expel Karofsky and uh, Kurt's like, all right, if he's back, I'm not here anymore. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm going to Dalton. I'm done. Maybe you were about to say turned over. The decision. Maybe. Turned over sounds about right. <laughs> Reversed. We got there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Sue is going to actually quit in uh, protest mm-hmm. and go back to just being the coach. It's, um, yeah, it's it's really, it's it's a really serious situation because I guess there just wasn't enough evidence to support the claims that his life was being threatened. I mean, I don't know what other evidence you really need. I mean, you have all the physical violence that you, that was right there in all of your faces. Um, so I don't really know how wise is stretched to believe that Karofsky couldn't have said something like that but I guess you know legal system it is what it is but they're not about to put his put his life at risk anymore so Kurt excuse me Carol and Bert are going to forfeit their honeymoon um money and send Kurt to Dalton Academy so that he can finally be free of the bullshit that is Karofsky it's a big emotional moment he there isn't a lot of time to be spent telling everybody and having these goodbyes so he just lets them know at the end of the episode like yep I'm out of here. I can't be here with Karofsky. Um, That means that I'm no longer a part of the New Directions. And that's it. He leaves. Yeah, he's obviously not happy about it. Like, he didn't want to leave his friends behind. He didn't want to leave McKinley. He likes it here. And he likes Blaine, too. But he wasn't, like, dying to, you know, as much as it it seemed like a great school there. I think he was just kind of taking it in and noticing it or whatever. Uh, You know, all of his friends are still back. Ed McKinley, but when it's just like, okay, there's this perfect looking school here. Uh, my parents are now willing to pay for it. Uh, it's just everything lined up. I have to go. I have to go. I can't do this anymore. And, you know, this is the first time that we lose a major player. Sorry to Matt Rutherford from the New Directions uh, because Kurt is now no longer part of the team. Like as, And that's like Rachel's biggest concern here. She's like, oh no, now you're like competing for the opposition. It's like, I mean, she's like, basically admitting for the first time that like Kurt is really good uh, and she's like losing him and that's making the other team stronger. So, you know, that's what Rachel's concerned about, but you know, he's going to go join the Warblers. It's time to see what, you know, what we can do at Dalton, uh, join the Glee club there, hang out with Blaine some more because obviously that connection has grown stronger and uh, he gets there and it's like as much as uh, it's much better for him there. It also isn't like super great for him right off the bat. He has a hard time fitting into the Warblers. He has like all these ideas and he thinks it's the new directions, but 
the Warblers are a much differently run uh, group. Yeah, uh, they are. They they are very um, about tradition and doing things by the book and having. They're very organized. Um, and one of the first traditions that he uh, has to reckon with is getting assigned watching over Pavarotti, which is their mascot. Um, it's this little small little yellow canary um, that he has to watch over and feed and all sorts of shit like that. Um, he is so excited to become a part of the Warblers after his audition, and he has all these ideas to try and, you know, think about, you know, songs and, 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 and choices for the show, for sectionals and stuff like that. But they're like, yeah, we kind of have a senior, you know, member group that handles that. So you just sit there and look pretty with Pavarotti, which is not exactly what he was hoping that he'd have to do because he already has been shot down by Mr. Shu in a similar fashion. So he's like, I thought that I would be able to come here and, you know, do whatever the hell I wanted, but that's not the case. There's a lot, there's, there's levels to this shit, essentially. Um, but at least he has Blaine there to sort of like tell him like, just relax, like you'll get your shot. You just have to, you know, give it some time. You just got here. You don't have to take over the world immediately. So it's a little, it's a little, you know, it takes some getting used to. He does check in um, from time to time with Rachel and Mercedes. They meet up at the, at the Lima Bean and Rachel is considerably nicer to him now because she's no longer in competition with him for solos. Um, but they miss him, and they, even though they're on separate teams, they do wish each other well at sectionals. Um, they're going to compete at the next sectionals, and they end up tying. So no love lost between the two of them. And also mm-hmm. just another way to keep the story going. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta you gotta let the Warblers continue to perform. We have uh, Darren Chris on the show, who's obviously a super talented young uh, young actor here and performer, uh, and now Kurt's there on the Warblers as well. So there's no chance that we're just gonna let the Warblers go, you know, off into the night after a sectionals performance. So yeah, they tie for first. They're both allowed to move on into the season, and Kurt just kind of continues to grow feelings for Blaine. Um, nothing seems to be reciprocated a hundred percent that we're aware of yet. But you know, Christmas time rolls around, and they do their first ever duet together with "Baby It's Cold Outside." which is like you know nice and cute but it doesn't seem to be uh presented as the most romantic or anything like that i mean uh it's just kind of like the two of them singing together but uh we do see you know will schuster stop by uh dalton to visit kurt to ask him for some advice for his secret santa gift and uh he's like oh who's that guy he's like you know something going on there and kurt's like no nothing's happening but like i do you know think that i kind of like him a lot so you know if anybody was doubting it at all uh we see for sure that kurt is a fall for Blaine, which is no surprise, but it gets a little bit awkward because we get to Valentine's Day in the uh, uh, Silly Love Songs episode, and as uh, as much as Kurt is falling for Blaine, it doesn't seem like Blaine is exactly falling for Kurt. Uh, Blaine has a big crush on somebody, and he has this whole plan to uh, to you know go all out for Valentine's Day and put a whole song performance together for him. And Kurt's like, "Oh, that sounds like a great idea. Like I'm down." Uh, and then it's not for Kurt. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. <laughs> yeah, it's about this this guy named what's his name? Uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah, who works at the local Gap. Um, yeah, Blaine is gonna convince the with the help of Kurt actually, he's gonna convince the Warblers to do a a set with him off school grounds and uh, like outside of the competition. Um, to help him serenade his crush for uh, Valentine's Day. Kurt, unwittingly thinking that it was for him, is going to help him convince the Wilburys to do so. Then he realizes, nope, it's about Jeremiah at the Gap. Um, And he goes, 
and they all go. And Blaine, you know, he performs the house down boots. But um, Jeremiah is not out, nor is he of the proper age to be dating Blaine. And so Blaine gets turned down in front of Kurt. Um, Kurt tries to let Jeremiah know that he's pretty sure that people probably think that he's gay because of that hair. But um, he's always talking shit about people's hair. Like, leave people's hair alone, Kurt. God damn. <laughs> um, yeah, and so he at they um talk at the lima bean later on, and Kurt just comes clean with him. He's like, "Look, like you know my coffee order. We spend so much time together. You've been very kind to me, all sorts of stuff. Like, and when so when you said that you were singing a song to someone that you you know had feelings for, was I crazy to believe that that could have been about me? And Blaine, of course, hadn't been thinking like that because he was so focused on Jeremiah. He was like, "Well, I'm like." I'm such an idiot. Like, look, like, Kurt, like, I really enjoy hanging out with you, and I don't really know where where we go from here, but I'm not really good at this kind of stuff, this romance stuff. I kind of just pretend I know what I'm doing, but I suck at this stuff. So, you know, I, we can we can, we can can take things from here. And mm-hmm. so um, Kurt orders him his coffee, because Kurt also knows his coffee order, and they seem to be not dating, but setting themselves up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, we recently rewatched this episode, not super recently, it was like a month ago, who knows, uh, with, with Chappelle, and, you know, we were talking through about, like, how crazy it is to go back after watching the whole show all the way through and being like, this is before they were actually an official couple. Like, sure, we can go back to, like, episode five, where they first meet for the first time, but this is where it's like, okay, the feelings are obviously there, even if Blaine doesn't fully understand that he's feeling these feelings for Kurt, Kurt knows that he's feeling it for Blaine, but, like, they're not there yet, so it's uh, always a, a super interesting, I think, to see that episode uh and just like they're right there but we're not doing it yet um you know continuing on we end up seeing them go to rachel's house party together where blaine gets very drunk and kisses rachel uh we get you know we we uh, of course have to shame kurt blaine wobbler i'm gonna rock your world uh, we, of course, have to shame Kurt here a little bit because he decides to be very biphobic, uh, saying that bisexuality isn't real when he uh, is confronted by Blaine, who's like, yeah, I think maybe there's a chance that I like Rachel, too. And Kurt being very selfish is, you know, saying like, nope, you're definitely gay. And, you know, of course, he's saying that because he wants uh, Blaine to be gay so that he can be with Blaine, uh, but also, you know, kind of like totally invalidating any bisexual person watching the show in the same time. So that's always great. Right. Um, but, yeah, he's getting jealous and annoyed that Rachel is like trying to go after the guy that he's trying to date. So uh, that's happening there. It's like, it's never, she kind of turns the tables around on Rachel in the same way that Rachel, you know, came to him about Finn early on saying like, you are never going to have a chance with Finn because he is not gay. And now Kurt's coming to Rachel being like, you will never have a chance with Blaine because he is gay. And Rachel's like, all right, well, if that's the case, then like, I guess it doesn't matter if I try to kiss him and we'll just make sure that while we're sober, there's no spark there. And Kurt's like, okay, fine. So they go ahead, they do the kiss and Blaine, Blaine's like, yeah, no, no, you're right. I'm 100% gay. And Kurt's very happy to hear that. So that's all great uh, for Kurt. And uh, after the party, Blaine's actually going to end up sleeping over, which Bert Hummel is very surprised about. Yeah, uh, Bert's very shocked and doesn't really know what to do in the moment. But he does sit Kurt down and he's like, look, like you need to you can't do that kind of stuff. Like you can't just bring guys over. And Kurt tries to be slick here and be like, oh, well, if Finn brought a girl over, would you be feeling like this? And um, uh. Well, hold up. Does he say if Finn brought a... Wait, he, yeah, he says that, right? If Finn brought a yeah, girl Finn, over. Yeah, if Finn had Quinn over, him? would you... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he's like... And Bert's like, no, that's different. And he's like, well, why is it different? And he's like, Kurt, like, you know what I'm trying to get at. Like, you had a guy in your bed. I didn't know about it. It's inappropriate. You can't just bring people up in my house. 
without asking me first, like just apologize for doing that. And Chris, like, fine, I'm, I will. I'm sorry for bringing him over, and I won't have anybody in my bed that might be gay. <laughs> <laughs> Also, you know what I'm just realizing? That's not the basement. So I guess Kurt did move upstairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he moved upstairs, yeah. Maybe I've realized that before, but I forgot about it. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Kurt's uh, upset about the fact that this conversation is happening in the first place because him and his dad have never had the talk uh, or by any means. Like, you know, they've talked about, sure, the fact that Kurt is gay or whatever, but they've never talked about the topic of sex. Uh, and Blaine quickly realizes that as well. Uh, eventually, Blaine is like, okay, Kurt really doesn't seem to know what's happening at all. Like if this ever does come up between the two of us, now that, you know, we are kind of getting a little bit closer, uh, you know, he doesn't seem to know what's going on. And Blaine boldly decides to go to Bert asking him like, maybe you could talk to Kurt about some of this stuff. Like he doesn't really want to talk to me about it. You're, you know, you're his dad. And Blaine also, you know, kind of confides in him saying, you know, me and my dad don't really have this relationship, but I, but I think you guys are the, are close enough where you should be able to have this conversation. And I feel like I'm hoping that that's the case because I want better for Kurt with his dad than I have with mine. So uh, it ends up working out where Kurt does uh, end up, you know, he like goes out and gets some pamphlets. I don't know, maybe from Emma. He learns about some of this stuff that he maybe had never wanted to think about before, but he goes ahead and does the research. And Kurt is also like, you know, they have a hard time. Like they both are stubborn. They're really stubborn, both of them. Uh, and they have a hard time like meeting in the middle where it's like they both have to just give up a little bit here and be like okay I uh, can't uh, let me not be mad at you for what you did Kurt by having Blaine sleep over and then Kurt has to be mad at his dad for being upset about it they just have to kind of again find common ground talk about it just get this conversation over with because Kurt does need to know about some of this stuff and he was upset because he wanted to be able to talk to his dad like he said in the way that any straight son would and now that his dad's coming to him it's like all right everybody just take a deep breath in deep breath out let's have this conversation and then you can go back to being an adult and if you want to have Blaine sleep over that's fine but I just want to know about it yeah I mean, which I think is fair right like you can't just be having people over your I mean I don't I mean at least my parents would have oof I wouldn't have been allowed outside except for school if I ever pulled some shit like that <laughs> with them. So I think that Kurt got off pretty cleanly considering. All right, so Kurt's been taking good care of Pavarotti, but Pavarotti, you know, decides to die anyway, which depresses Kurt. Decides to die from... anyways. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, everybody dies, you know, right? Um, and he busts into this. <laughs> this is so funny. I know that he's upset. But I always just struggle at this moment when he just, like, comes dramatically through the double doors of the rehearsal space, dressed in black, like, Pavarotti is dead. (laughs) Pavarotti decided to die. He decided to die this morning. And he's upset because he's grown close with the bird and he considered him a friend. He would sing together with him every morning. And so he's just, he's upset about it. And he asks that the warblers let him get his emotion out through song. And so he decides to sing Blackbird. And it's at this moment while Blaine is watching that he realizes his true feelings for Kurt. Um, and he wants them to sing together at regionals. And before that, finally admits to Kurt, you know what? I like you too, bitch. And <laughs> they make out. <laughs> they make out. Yeah. They, they share a kiss. It goes on for a couple seconds. They come up for air and then they, they're like, so we're going to go practice. And Kurt's like, I thought we were. <laughs> I thought we were practicing. This is like this is this is Kurt's real first kiss. That Karofsky shit don't count. Like this yeah. is the real deal when the butterflies are are fluttering and mm-hmm. you just feel yeah. Um. So I this this is a moment that we were waiting for pretty much ever since meeting Kurt really. 
Um, yeah. And so I'm glad that they that they gave it to them because it's going to make things a lot better when they end up losing at regionals. Because even though they lost regionals, Kurt, I mean, he, you know, for Blaine, it's a lot because Blaine is used to winning all the time. But for Kurt, he's like, look, look what we have together mm-hmm. now. Like this, I've never had this before. Maybe you have, but I haven't. So yeah. I really feel like I won. So fuck it. Yeah, they found each other and they're really happy about it. You know, it's uh, it's it's exactly what, you know, I think as Glee fans, everybody was hoping for uh, for Kurt in this season to just, you know, not just find somebody, but like maybe to find love. Like, why not? Everybody else is like, you know, having opportunities for uh, for that. And since Kurt was the only gay person at McKinley or the only gay man at McKinley, as so it seemed, uh, which, again, is not the case. There are especially Karofsky and anybody else that maybe is just uh, OK. The, the correct way to put that is Kurt is the only out gay person at McKinley. Uh, there you go, Matt. Now that now we have it. But um, so eventually he found Blaine. You know, the two of them fell into each other's arms and uh, took a little bit of a, you know, some time to get there. Blaine, like he said, is bad at this kind of stuff and didn't quite realize it at first, but spending a lot of time with him, sleeping in his bed one night, like eventually kind of put it together and realized that he does like Kurt a lot. And uh, these two happy lovebirds are going to be together for the rest of ever. And we're so happy about it. But uh, hey, here in season two, um, yeah, they're just going to kind of stick together. Eventually, Kurt is going to make his way back to McKinley as well. Yeah. Um, he uh, decides that uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's time to go back. It's time to go back because Santana puts in a lot of legwork to get Karofsky, um out of the way here um, because they really, really need to get Kurt back for nationals. Like he, they realized that they were missing something when it came to the new directions and Kurt just offered a lot of pizzazz and they want him back. They want him back. Uh, like fuck Rachel. Like she can only do so much. <laughs> and um, so this is, this is a really cool plan to get him back and ultimately it succeeds, which I kind of feel some kind of way about like ultimately. Yeah. Like you can't keep splitting your time between Dalton and McKinley, but it's like, damn, like really like, you go to you go to freaking um to Dalton. You get a solo at regionals as a a junior when really that's kind of like you know unheard of. And then you are probably like the reason as to why they lost. Not entirely, but like your solo with your I mean your duet with uh, Blaine isn't legendary by any means. And then you ditch them to go back to the school that beat them. <laughs> it's like what the fuck like. And they all come by to say goodbye to him as if it's like, you know, they're they're like, oh, my God, we're so sad to lose you. It's like, yeah, no, he lost for you. No, not really. I'm not blaming Kurt for that. But uh, following your narrative, I would not have been there. I would not have been there. If that were me, I'd be like, no, remember that rule about us not performing outside of school grounds and not competitions? We already did it once for Blaine. I'm not doing it for Kurt, especially since we lost. Like, I would not have he been showed there up. at somewhere he, only we know. Mm-mm. He showed up. He killed our bird. He he stole the heart of, of our leader when there probably were other warblers vying for the love and affection of Mr. Blaine Anderson. And they're like, oh, Kurt, don't leave. Yeah, somewhere only you know will be somewhere only you will go because I'm not going. Fuck y'all. Like, y'all there's a fanfic out there, I am sure. Uh, no, or not not like a, one of the, those fanfics, but like there's definitely like an alternative story where like all the Warblers hated Kurt and uh, they were like cheering for the fact that he was leaving. But uh, since Blaine is their leader <laughs> yeah, and he asked good them riddance. for a favor, <laughs> they were like, all right, we'll go with you. We'll sing to him, but we're happy he's gone. But all in all, jokes aside, it is a really touching moment. It's one of the moments that I watch that still make me cry when watching. It's really touching. They all come in McKinley. They all sing to him. Um, and it's not goodbye or anything um, as far as him and Blaine are con- you know, concerned because 
they'll see each other on the weekends and school nights and shit like that. But, you know, he's not going to see most of these guys anymore. And it's just, you know, a really touching moment because it's he's been validated with so much love over there, lit, yeah. like romantically and platonically. It just it, it's really strengthened him. And we get one of my favorite Kurt solos as he returns to the school as well. Um he sings that Barbra Streisand song. Oh, so beautiful. And uh, he's ready uh, ready for nationals. As if we never said goodbye, right? I think that's what it was um, mm-hmm. with that one. Yeah. Um, they go to prom together. Kurt and Blaine, they, uh, Kurt's going to ask him to come with him. Blaine does accept, even though Blaine was a little hesitant because of, you know, the fact that Blaine had had a hard time at a school dance going to, you know, going with a guy at his last school. And that was like why he transferred. But, uh, he does end up agreeing to go, of course. And at prom, uh, Karofsky is going to find Kurt. He apologizes for all the bullying at Karofsky ends up getting, uh, announced as prom king, which is cool. Uh, Santana was running for prom queen. So, you know, there's a thought that maybe like she got prom queen and Karofsky got prom king the two of them were like you know uh playing each other's beard for the time being there but it ends up being a very awkward night uh, as kurt returns home after you know a full year of going through some shit kurt went through uh he went to dalton now he's back he's with his friends they're getting ready for nationals and it's time for prom he's here with the boy that he likes and nobody like karofsky is the one person he would have to worry about usually you know bullying him for coming to a prom with a guy but karofsky's out, out here apologizing and, and whatnot but as the night goes on, Karofsky gets announced as prom king, and who gets announced as prom queen but Kurt Humble? So he is uh, hor- horrified that this just happened. Like, not just the fact of, like, oh, he got announced as, like, the prom queen, which is obviously, you know, traditionally going to end up going to a girl. Uh, he, alongside Karofsky, and he's terrified about, like, oh, this just got out. Karofsky might even kill me now because he probably is going to think that I told everybody about what happened. It's just a whole mess, a whole bunch of emotions come flooding in. So Kurt ends up running out of the uh running out of the gym there you know freaking out not sure what to do uh he does eventually come back after he and blaine talk through it and and they're like okay like that was just people playing a joke it wasn't anything serious like look i look at me i'm here with you kurt like i let's go back in there let's dance together get your crown get your scepter uh you know you won go like go get it so they go back in and you know blaine's gonna be you know his knight in shining armor ask him to dance and you know at the the very least karofsky's not having a very good night by any means but at least the two of them do yeah um it's some bullshit that the school like this is like his triumphant return and still they just want to be rude but you know what whatever whatever he won prom queen eat your heart out kate middleton which is a more relevant uh quote now more than ever considering what's going on over there um and he gladly accepts the crown and he gladly accepts blaine's arm to dance and it's a beautiful moment in uh Dancing Queen, another one of my favorite songs, so many favorite songs in season two, um, is sung while they dance. Also, another scene before prom of, you know, his dad, you know, thinking maybe you're trying to serve the pot a little bit by wearing this this kilt, which, like, I understood what Bert was coming from, but, like, that was such a, like, considering what Kurt could usually wear, that was a very muted outfit. Like, it's a kilt. Men wear kilts. You know what I mean? It's not a skirt. Like, it's something he's wearing a damn dress. With, like, these really stylish boots. Like, that's a really cool outfit. I didn't think it was, like, flamboyant at all to me. But whatever. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. But, yeah, they go to prom together. Everything ends up being, uh, you know, super awkward for a bit and then ends up being totally fine at the end there. They're okay. They got through it. It's just things being thrown at Kurt all season long. He's becoming a pro at, at figuring it all out. So it is bullshit. Um, But the season doesn't end on a super terrible note for him. I mean, there is a bit of a hump here as we have to get through, um, you know, Kurt 
this is, you know, more about Sue, but it's nice to, you know, again, again, highlight just a, a brief moment here in a season where Kurt and Sue, uh, you know, the connection between the two of them is highlighted after Sue uh, loses her sister and Kurt, especially Kurt, uh, but Kurt and Finn both try to help her out by, you know, organizing the funeral arrangements and whatnot. Uh, and, you know, just uh, trying to be there for her. They both had experienced loss before, so they want to, you know, do what they can. And, you know, that's just, it's, uh, I have it in my note here as well. It's just, you know, the fa- at this point in the show, I don't know exactly when it happened, but she gave him the nickname Porcelain in a very endearing way to try to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just she she likes the she likes the kid and as much as she's not going to outwardly say it very much like him being there for her in this moment and whatnot it's just it all reinforces the fact that there is some bond between these two as much as uh it's like not a main storyline it is there yeah um he he does show up for sue here to help with um her sister's passing and it's because you know he's dealt a lot with loss himself with his mom and everything and so he just wants to be there for her because i mean she did do a lot for him i mean as she, as she should it's her damn job but on a humanitarian level it's just nice it's a nice you know offer to return and so they do grow a little closer here um and yeah she does choose the, she i mean at least allows him to choose the name porcelain i guess i think the other ones were kind of shitty it was like gelfing and like something doll face <laughs> i don't remember yeah but porcelain was definitely by far the best option and uh yeah so it was nice to see them together for this so yeah they're doing uh they it's nice uh for kurt to step up in that moment for sure and then we close out the season in nationals uh at nationals in new york yes yes um him and rachel like sort of like really come together here um because they have similar aspirations after school and it's the end of the junior year so they only have one more year left they guys are thinking about what they're going to do um, and they sneak into the Gershwin Theater where, yes, the legendary Wicked musical resides. They sing um, for good with, of course, Rachel taking the alphabet part and Kurt taking the Glinda part. And they realize, you know what, we're going to do this together. We're going to be in this together. And like the Rachel-Kurt relationship is really uh, born here. It's uh, nothing. I wouldn't say it's born there. I mean, it's definitely been like, you know, hinted at a couple different times. I feel like it but takes it's definitely, off here. Like, it takes off. That's yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. Of just like it's yeah. really like it's locked in. Like we are seeing them both get to New York, and as much as it's going to be Rachel's story because Rachel's meant to be in New York, and that's kind of the lens that we're seeing it at. The fact that they have Kurt by her side to be like, no, both of them like are meant to be here, meant to be around Broadway. Who knows if Kurt's going to end up on Broadway? We know that Rachel is, but at the very least, like being in New York is both of their dream, and we see how much like they are are, are living it up in the city. Like just being there, being on that. Like, let alone being in the city is like making their eyes light up. But then they end up in the freaking Gershwin Theater singing on the stage. Like, how did that happen? Who knows? Uh, You know, what kind of security does that place have? But either way, they get a chance to do something that, you know, they could only have dreamt up their entire lives. Um, So they have a great moment together where they bond and just reinforce how much they are so similar to each other and have, you know, very similar dreams and aspirations. The New Directions do unfortunately lose at Nationals. Thanks, Rachel uh, and Finn. But it's fine. Kurt is okay. They gets back to, you know, Ohio and he meets up with Blaine at the Lima Bean. And, you know, the two of them talk about, you know, it was a crazy year, but we found each other and uh, we, we get some I love yous in the mix here as Blaine tells Kurt that he loves him and Kurt does say it back. So, you know, it's been a big season. I think a lot of people, you know, consider season two as like the Kurt Hummel season, like the breakout season for him, because every step of the way throughout the season, even when he's like not in the school anymore, he's at 
at a different school. And, you know, obviously there's so much going on at the school he's no longer at, but we're still following him. Like we're still like we introduced a whole new character, Blaine Anderson for Kurt like that. Like it's a lot about him. It's a lot about him and his growth, his family life, uh, you know, his crushes early on go from like, okay, we're done with having him crush on the straight boys with Finn and Sam. And we're going to give him actually somebody to connect with and maybe fall in love with. And it just, it was, I think totally necessary. Otherwise we're like, if we're going to take this character seriously and not just have him be like a walking, you know, target for bullying because he's gay for the rest of the six seasons of the show, uh, we need to give him something substantial and they do and Blaine's now in the picture as we're going to, you know, go into the rest of the show. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, it's um it it really is and we've I think we've said this before like season 1 was really his him like coming to terms with who he was and then season 2 was really like him coming to terms with like who he was with other people and learning, you know, how to to how to be himself as this newly new like fully realized person that's out and proud and all of that so mm-hmm. and i think that yeah i mean he says it at the end of the episode and when you really think about it kurt Hummel has had a really good year and i concur so yeah he learns that he doesn't have to be alone you know he has rachel that he can turn to as a friend he has uh blaine that he can turn to for you know yeah, romantic interests what'd you say mercedes yeah <laughs> Whatever. Uh, Sue, in a way. So, yeah, there's a couple of different connections here that are really starting to grow stronger as we're going to work towards Kurt's senior year. But that is not going to happen in today's podcast. We'll get into season three and four next time. So, yeah, that was a that was a lot. That was definitely, you know, probably the I imagine the longest that we're going to go with that side of the podcast, because season two is like the most Kurt uh, that we get season, you know, three, four, five and six are still plenty to get into. But I feel like season two had the meat there for sure. Maybe season yeah. six. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, anything else from you on Kurt season one, season two? I believe that's it. Okay. Well, then let's go on ahead and get to Kurt's songs. Like I said, I think we have 46 songs to get into with Kurt Hummel. So today we'll do the bottom 16, right? Is that how math works? Yeah. So we'll get 16 out of the way and then, you know, we'll be at the top 30 and then we'll do 15 and 15. This is me thinking it out loud on the podcast. So, yeah, we're going to start with, of course, number 46. So let's get right on into it with uh, number 46. grass get back get back get back to where you once belonged get back get back get back to where you once belonged get back to joe All right, so we're kicking off Kurt's countdown here at the bottom with uh, some Beatles. Not that, not that tepid. All right, <laughs> I might have depressing pause. I mean, I, I, I noticed I say all right uh, after 
every single song ends. All right. Uh, if we ever had merchandise, that would be on my shirt. All right. Um, so, yeah, that, Get that, Back that. is going right. to be Kurt Hummel's worst <laughs> song out of all 46 songs that he either is a soloist or singing a duet with somebody. This is number 46. Honestly, I would not have known that this was that song if it wasn't so late in the series. I've completely forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's inconsequential. It's all about helping Rachel get her mojo back. And she really doesn't even really need her mojo back because she's going to get that. Like, it's it's stupid. But, you know, anything to squeeze another, um, what's it called? Beatles. Beatles song in there. Yeah, doesn't really do a whole lot for me here. Uh, let me just say this here while I'm uh, thinking about it, while I remember it. Um I am going to do my best here in the Kurt Hummel countdown, um, but a lot, a lot of Kurt's performances are ones that I feel like my feedback is not going to be anything significant. Maybe you, yours will help us out here, but I mean, he does so many of the Broadway songs and all the, the musical theater, everything that like, you know, it's music that it comes from places that I'm not the most familiar with. So it's like that on top of the fact that it's like, you know, just kind of like a, like, Kurt performance uh, again. Like I, I don't think that they're bad by any means. I think Chris Colfer is a great, talented performer, but I just don't have a lot of like great things to say. And I also feel like that might be like I, I feel like I need to t- <laughs> upfront take like full blame if there's any kind of like why is this song so low? Because so many of his songs are just kind of not memorable for me so hopefully we get through this all you know in one piece and uh no outrage comes but i definitely feel like an insecurity going into this one like everyone's gonna hate the way that things rank and it's gonna be my fault not this uh disclaimer that you're putting putting out there before we get into i'm so worried about it like i what did you do i don't think i did anything i I, and i did like, I don't always, you know, look at the list beforehand. I have, like, I, I breeze over it or whatever, uh, but I don't, like, analyze it, and I don't really know, like, you know, okay, so, like, this is the song that's next. Uh, so as we go, I, I don't know. I'm just worried about it uh, more than any other prefer, uh, person that we've done so far. So we'll see how it goes, but, uh, yeah, that's just, that's my spiel, and I knew that I had to get that off my chest. All right, I mean... We'll see what happens. Okay. So with that said, that was Get Back at the uh, 46th spot. Again, we're doing uh, 16 songs today, the bottom third of Kurt's song. So let's go on to number 45 uh, coming up next here from season, I think, you four. Are the sunshine of my life. <laughs> That's why I'll always be Okay, um, hi, Amon. How do you like this song? <laughs> All right, so, look, 
I, I'm, I'm trying to be a lot more understanding when it comes to the, how some of these rankings are going to go down. I understand that not everybody grew up listening to Stevie Wonder like I did. And so people's proclivities are going to lie um, in other places. So I understand that. Should this be the lowest song for Kurt? I actually don't think so. Not because it's Stevie Wonder, but because he sounds very good on this one. There are a lot of songs that Chris Colfer um, is made to sing that are just not for his voice. This, however, it's a Stevie Wonder standard, but he has a very good, you know, he finds it sits very well in his voice. His timbre is great. It's very smooth. Um, he doesn't have some of the pizzazz that Stevie does, but I don't necessarily need him to. Um, so the second to last song on the list, I don't think I'd be that harsh, but at the same time, I understand why it is down this low. I also understand that I wasn't the biggest fan of a lot of the covers in the Stevie Wonder um, episode. So there's that as well. But I guess like in a vacuum for Kurt himself, I would not put it as low as this. So I disagree, but I am not going to fight. I think I would put it lower. <laughs> You'd make it last? I think I would make it last. Um, I just, I, I don't get anything out of this. And granted, oh, yes, God. I don't really know the song outside of the context of, of Glee here. Uh, but it's just, I don't know. It's 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 boring. It's not memorable. It's... Just him, Tina, Marley, and Kitty oh dancing God. around the choir room. Matt. It doesn't give me any sunshine in my life. So um, no, I'm not going to. I've I've gotten to the point where I don't. I no longer tell people to do things. So I'm not going to say what I was about to say. You were going to say you have to go check out Stevie Wonder's album, as if I was going to do that. And you've learned by now that I'm not going to. So look at us growing. <sighs> <laughs> well, let's move on from this uh, before uh, <laughs> I told you this okay, was going to well, be. Well, you rough know what? One. I'm I'm not I'm going to uh, you know I'm not going to tell Matt to do that, but I am going to tell our listeners because I know that there are people out there that are open to it. Just just go on your Apple Music, go on your Spotify. I'm not even telling you to listen to anything specific. If I was going to tell you to listen, to listen to something specific, I would suggest the keys, a song to the key of life. I would suggest that it's like his like essential album. But just tell your Spotify or your Alexa, just say hey. Play Stevie Wonder and just let it let it ride. Just let it ride. He makes such good music that is really good for the soul. And I highly, highly uh, suggest it. All right. That's it. With that said, let's move into uh, song number 44. I, I'm looking at the... Yeah, I, I, I don't know how you're going to react to all this. Let's, let's see. Number 44, Kurt Hummel. for the sunrise. I must think of a new life. And I mustn't dawn comes tonight will be a memory too and a new day will begin
pause down there on uh, memory from season five with Kurt and Maggie Banks there at the uh, the old folks home. Yeah, so this is a classic Broadway standard from the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical Cats. Um, and this is what I was talking about when I say that there are songs that Chris is going to sound good in because he knows how to sing and he knows how to keep a tune, but they're not necessarily designed for his voice. The person that sings this song in the movie adaptation, which is a horrible adaptation, by the way, but just to let you know about like where this usually is vocally, mm-hmm. Jennifer Hudson sings this song. <laughs> okay. Jennifer Hudson sings this song, okay? You put Jennifer Hudson next to uh, Chris Colfer, you get another Dream Girls moment, like, I am changing. Uh, so that that's where I'm at with this. Um, what I will say that what helps this is um, the story that surrounds it, the way that it's shot, the inclusion of my girl Maggie Banks. Like, I know I, I live for Maggie Banks. So I think that that definitely helps it along. Um, but I think this is, I think this, I think, mm, I still think that there are worse performances. So this probably. probably wouldn't be as low as I, as, as I wouldn't put this as low as it is, okay. but once again, I get it. Yeah. I have no qualms with this being this low because it doesn't stick in my hashtag memory. Ha ha ha. Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, it's just not the most memorable to me. It's like season five at the end there. It's like the most random Kurt storyline. Uh, we'll, you know, get to more of that in the season five. And maybe, maybe when we look through his story altogether, maybe it'll start to, you know, kind of, uh, make more sense and kind of, we'll get some more clarity with all of it. But just for now, I'm like, you know, eh, whatever. So that is uh, number 44. That is memory with Maggie Banks, and we move on to number 43, which is also season five. In these walls are the stories that I can explain. I leave my heart open, but it stays right here empty for days. She told me in the morning she don't feel the same about us in her bones. Seems to me that when I die, these words will be written on my stone. And I'll be gone, gone tonight. The ground beneath my feet is open wide. The way that I've been holding on too tight, with nothing in between. The story of my life, I take her home, I drive all night. All right, so that's Story of My Life from also, yeah, season five. Okay, here's one that I can give a a good opinion about because I'm a huge One Direction fan and uh, uh, love to hear them being covered on Glee. So I I think this is totally fine. I think this is one I wouldn't have lower, but it's because it's one of Kurt's very few songs that I actually like know the song before coming into this. So I probably would have had it higher uh, just because it's actually something that I would replay over like a bunch of the other ones that are going to be down uh, at the bottom. So, um, but 
but overall, I, I can't, you know, have too big of an issue with it. I mean, the audience had this pretty much at the exact same spot. The fact that we, you know, didn't really give it a whole lot of a boost at all. <laughs> it literally is one spot higher than where the audience would have said, you know, it's fine if uh, we're all on the same page that it's kind of not his best. It's, you know, it's, it's Kurt and Blaine, but it's still just like uh, a very simple performance that the two of them give uh, for June Dalloway there. It's like, you know, not a whole lot of pizzazz happening. Yeah. Wait, so is this the number that he does against June Dalloway's wishes? No, that's American Boy in uh, in the finale of season five, right? Oh, so this this is the one that This June is the one where, where they find Blaine out that June Dalloway leaves him in the dust. They they find out that June Dalloway is coming and then during this performance she ends up liking Blaine more than him. Gotcha, uh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. So Um Yeah. <laughs> I always feel so bad when critiquing uh, Chris Colfer on this show because I feel like, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we have had quite a few um, later season songs, and I feel like they just do him so dirty in the later seasons. He's so much stronger in the beginning seasons. And so, yeah, I guess that's just how this part of the song ring piece is going to be for me. Um, I, it, it's fine. It's it's nothing to call home about. It really isn't. It's just, it's it's fine. It's a mm-hmm. serviceable job. It doesn't give him any room to explore. It's just a One Direction cover by Chris Colfer when someone else was probably better suited to do this by themselves. Yep. I think uh, a Blaine Anderson solo number for One Direction, even though One Direction is not a solo act, or they might have become solo acts, but uh, at the time it's a group. Uh, I think might have been a little bit better, but no, it's fine. Uh, you know what? Let's just keep playing uh, the next one here. Uh, number 43, I think, is what we're up to. Yeah. Uh, no, that was 43, Story of My Life. So uh, number 42 is another Kurt and Blaine duet that I feel like falls into the same kind of category. So let's listen into that one. Twice, dug my way out. Blood and fire, bad decisions, that's alright. Welcome to my silly life. Mistreated, misplaced, misunderstood, this no way it's all good. It didn't slow me down. Mistaken, always second guessing, under. So I swallowed the fear The only thing I should be drinking is a nice cold beer So cool in line And we try, try, try But we try too hard and it's a waste of my time Done looking for the critics cause they're everywhere They don't like my jeans, they don't get my hair Stringer cells and we do it all the time Why do we do that? That's the only part of the song that's worth it to me Yeah! Like Darren Chris, yeah Like let's get a belt out in there and make me uh, make me feel better about this Because otherwise, yeah I know when we watched this one back again we were like ooh, cringe it's like especially because this is all these years later like we've had some time away from uh perfect being released and it's like yeah did they need to do it Eh, maybe in the better context i don't know overall it's just uh yeah it's 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 something that that they did (laughs) um 
Yeah, once again, I mean, Blaine's still the show here. He's just still in the show here. No wonder June Dalloway freaking plucked him out of uh, out of that duo there. Um, you know, but it's it's fun. It's it's definitely a little bit. I think the up tempo ness of it all helps a little bit here. Mm-hmm. But you know, once again, kind of forgettable. It's it's very muted, Kurt. That's what I think the problem is. Kurt is such a you know, and not in the stereotypical way, but a flamboyant performer in all the best ways possible. And so I feel like when he does songs like this, it's really got to hit emotionally or it's not going to stand. Mm-hmm. Like there are songs that are very, very low key that Kurt absolutely kills, which I'm sure are going to be in the top. Yeah. So I don't think well, that he's incapable of hopefully. doing that. It's just not here. Yes. Um, I mean, but I but I do want to say I, I do still like both of these back to back here uh, with Story of My Life and Perfect. I definitely still like have listened yeah. to them a, a handful of times in, you know, the years since both of them came out. Uh, it's like, you know, the, if the song comes on while I'm listening to my Glee songs, it's like, sure, I'll listen to it. Um, but when we're looking at all of the Kurt catalog together and, you know, trying to get to the top of the, you know, top tier performances that he gives on the show, um, I won't argue with these being at the bottom ish. So, yeah, uh, Perfect comes in at number 42 from season three with him and Blaine and they're singing to Santana while she's going through it there, uh, you know, with uh, the whole being outed thing that happens there. And uh, let's keep on moving. Let's get to many more Kurt duets coming up. Uh, here is a Kurt duet from season five. Another one, but not with, not with Blaine. Trying every way I can changing I'll be better than I am I'm trying to find a way to understand but I need you That's uh, I Am Changing from season five with Kurt and Mercedes. It's from the uh, 101 episode, New Directions, also called uh, also called New Directions. Um, yeah, it's uh, I know that we had it kind of lower on Mercedes's countdown as well. It just doesn't, you know, I think we talked about how it just doesn't stand out the most. But I do think that Kurt in particular, not to say that Amber doesn't sound good in this, but I think Chris does sound uh, relatively better, uh, you know, for him, for his performances in this one. I don't know. Yeah, no, this is the song that I would have placed towards the bottom <laughs> because he has no business being here. Like, this could have been much more impactful if it were just Mercedes singing to Rachel and Santana since she knows both of them. I mean, so, I mean, so does Kurt. But, like, this, this, this song is, like, uh, it, uh, it's a dream girl's number. 
It just feels like they just threw Chris in there like as an afterthought. Like, oh yeah, just throw a Kurt in there and it can be a duet. Why? Why? Like it does. It, it, the audience had this at number seventeen. All right, I mean, I, th- that's fine. <laughs> 17 out of 46 songs. And the fact that you and I are both like very meh on it brought it down to number 41. So um, I'm not so super sorry about that because I just don't love it very much. But I guess uh, let me just at least point that out. If anybody is a big fan of this number that uh, you guys did vote for it to be much higher. But yeah, your lovely hosts here just kind of didn't feel it too much. I'm at look. Look, once again, I'm just trying to reiterate because I don't want people to think when they're listening to this podcast, like, oh my God, Amon is so negative. I think Chris Colfer can sing. I think Chris Colfer is talented. I, I, I like his voice. It's just not for every song, you know? It's like, it's like when you try to get Amy Winehouse to sing, may, she, may God, you know, rest her soul, trying to get her to sing, like, uh, a Barbara Streisand number. It's just not, no. Like, you're, not, you're, not, you're not putting Amy Winehouse up on stage to sing My Man. Sure, she could have some kind of like really cool jazzy rendition of it, but you're, that's not that's not what the song is calling for. Mm-hmm. And so when you put somebody like Chris Colfer on a, a Dreamgirls number, it's like you either need to bring it and bring it all the way, an Effie White number no less. Like if you want to give her a Dina number, Dina Jones number, okay, maybe he can pull that off. Actually, I'm pretty sure he might be able to pull something like that off. But Effie, Effie White, no, no. You know, it's going to be a fun a fun exercise, even if it's not a podcast exactly, is going to be... You showing me a lot of the original songs, original versions of a lot of these things that I don't know and getting, you know, uh, maybe just getting my reaction to that. I don't think it could be a, I don't think it could be a podcast because I feel like I'm much more worried about us getting flagged for not Glee covers, but uh, just an activity for someday. I never thought that you would be up for something like that, but I am totally down to do that as like an activity it wouldn't be just like me going off on my own listening to it it would have to be like let's sit down and let's like make this no i know i i I know i know exactly what you mean okay and i'm totally down to do that we'll do it someday um so that was i am changing and it landed there at number 41 so uh 10 more to go for the countdown here today that was the bottom six we move on to number 40 which is another duet from season five you must be All right, there's Lucky Star. I know you like this one, so I'll turn to you. I love this. <laughs> I love this. Once again, my girl Maggie Banks. Uh, I love that Kurt is just flying all around. Um, did I tell you that that's funny-ass video? I'll show it to you later. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I love this. I love this number so much. I, I, it, It's a Madonna number. It's something definitely a little bit more up Kurt's alley. Um and I think he performs it pretty well. I understand that it's a bit of a wacky number towards the end of the series, so I understand why it's low. 
Um, so I'm not going to fight for it to be any higher than it is. I would have personally placed it higher, not like within the top, 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 but mm-hmm. it probably would be probably closer to the 30s. You, you would know, have had it in, in like podcast that. two, podcast uh, yeah. mm-hmm. part two, I should yeah. say. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think uh, I think this is a good enough spot where I would essentially have placed it. I, I enjoy it. I think uh, Maggie Banks is fun for all the bashing I do on this plot line and for the fact that, you know, he has two songs with her. I, I don't I don't know why I uh, give it such a hard time, but no, it's uh, it's fun. It's worthwhile. I'm never going to re-listen to this in the car. It's never going to get played on that end of things. But when I watch it in the episode and when I watch it here, I'm like, oh, it's cute. Sure. So that's Lucky Star coming in at number 40. And uh, let's keep on moving to another duet from season five. No, I'm just kidding. It's another duet from season four, actually. Seems such a perfect place. Suddenly it moves with such a perfect grace. Suddenly my life doesn't seem such a waste. It all revolves around you And there's no mountain too high No river too wide Sing out this song and I'll be there by your side Storm clouds may gather and stars may collide Until the until end. the end of time. Come what may. Come what may. All right, that's come what may from uh, season four, episode fifteen, girls and boys on film. Uh, what do you think about this one? Do you like this? Um, it's okay. I mean, I I kind of think of this more as a Blaine number than I think of as a Kurt number. I don't know why, because it's not like Kurt's not there singing, but I guess it's because like, well, Blaine does have the it's whole like Kurt, first part of the song. He does. He does. I kind of feel like, and it's because like Kurt is, you know, snowed in and he's sort of envisioning this in his mm-hmm. mind and, you know, having this fantasy of Blaine. So I don't really associate Kurt too much with this song. Um, so I don't know if I would have placed it as high just based off of the division of work here. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think it's, I think it's fine. I don't have the emotional attachment because I've never seen Moulin Rouge. I know a lot of people are just gasping now. Like, I've, I've still never seen the film. So um, I don't have the same kind of emotional attachment that I might have if I'd watched the movie. Right. But I so think it's fine. the audience had this at number 13. So... Also, though, like now that I'm looking at that, because after looking at I Am Changing and Come What May here being so high up and ultimately dragged so far down by you and I just not giving it a whole lot of extra love and attention on our side of the scores. Basically, the audience's scores here ended up being so, so like close, like so tight, like the gap between like the the bottom song between uh, number forty six and even going all the way up to number thirteen where we get to come what may, all of those songs are within the same like one point of each other. Like the bottom song, it, nobody cares about the details of all this, but the bottom song got two point five three 
to- uh, total points, I guess, from the audience. And come what may, got uh, 3.54. So all of that is all of those songs are within that one same point, which is usually not the case. Usually, uh, a lot of these different, uh, you know, uh, characters, uh, it'll end up being like some have like two point something, some have three point something, four point something, like whatever. Like it, it's it's usually a lot more spread out. But the fact that there are so many songs in that same range is incredibly you know i don't know i don't know what it speaks to i don't know if it's just you know maybe some people are voting along the same lines of of the way that i think about kurt's songs of just like you know a lot of them blend together for me i don't know but i just thought that that was interesting and kind of worth pointing out so that's where it lands though come what may at uh 30 yeah i think yeah i think i can echo what you just said yeah it's uh weird Weird, weird, weird. And also, if anyone actually does care about like the numbers of it all, um, I uh, don't ever really often plug this very much, but you can go and check out the Choir Room Master Spreadsheet that has most of uh, pretty much everything will be on there. Uh, usually we add the latest rankings like about a week or two after the podcast goes up so nobody like spoils themselves or anything, but um, that will have all the breakdown of the numbers if you're interested in seeing it. Uh, but don't look at that until you're done with part three of Kurt, because then you're going to spoil yourself on the top. Okay, cool. Um, that was, uh, that was number 39. I feel like we're moving slow, but we have a lot to talk about. So, uh, that was 39. Let's keep on moving to number 38. Even when there's no one sitting there, not a house and a house is not a before we get to uh, Finn's part here because it is a duet with Finn, but Finn has like four lines and they're super quick in it. Um, But yeah, this is A House Is Not A Home from season one. Uh, Finn does come into the song as well, but that's not the most important right now. Yeah, no, he sounds good here. I I like this from him. Um, Definitely more in the vein of the songs that I appreciate Chris Colfer singing. Um, So yeah, I, I, I like this. I think his placement is fine. Um, so like, what's this song from? Do you know? I don't remember. I've, like where, like the original. Um, I don't know if this is from anything. I think this just might be a hold on, because I don't think this is. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I feel like usually you have the answer. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a Luther Vandross song. Yeah, it's not from okay. anything. Okay. Um. Yeah, I, it doesn't really it? stick with me, but I uh, I agree that I think he sounds good on it. It's definitely one that is right up his alley. So, um, makes sense that he sang it. And it's at 38. That's my commentary on it here. Yeah, um, Dion Warwick has sang this song. Luther Vandross has sang this song. Yeah, I think it's just the standard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there is uh, A House Is Not A Home. 
a duet with Finn from season one. And that's the only season one song that I see down here. I guess all the other season song, season one songs are going to be towards the top. Uh, nothing else left from that end of things today. Uh, let's move on to number 37, which is from season three. What do you got here? I have nothing from season three, episode 17, of course. And uh, I don't know. I'm going to keep turning to you first, I think, for some of these. <laughs> I'm a broken record, guys. That's okay. We all are. It is a Whitney Houston song. You are hard pressed. I mean, no one's ever going to sound like Whitney Houston, right? That's why her name was The Voice. Um, but that's a tall order not here. Meant to be, it's a very tall order. And this chorus is not meant to be sang in falsetto. It's meant to be saying full voice. You're supposed to have a full rounded chest voice for that chorus. And so it just leaves me wanting every single time he gets to it. He doesn't sound too bad in the verses. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the to the chorus and then when you modulate at the end, it's oh come on, man. Like I just don't know who gave like who was <laughs> behind the decision of giving him this song. Look, when they were divvying super... this up, why did they give him this one? I don't understand it. Because any time that, the, you know, and I, I, I know you're saying like specifically for like this song and a couple of the others, it's like any time that you can get his voice to go up there, like that's what they know that he's good at. But it's just, I see what you're like saying. It's just like, it doesn't always click in the, in the right ways. It's not supposed to be the exact, uh, I don't know, just the, the, the exact, like, I don't know. It doesn't always end up working out uh, what I'm getting at here. It's just, uh, I don't know. I, I think. I get what they're going for. I don't want to say it's not good. Um, I don't know. It's like this, I think, would be better suited as like a performance on American Idol or The X Factor or whatever other shows. Like if he went on The Voice and like sang this song uh, with this exact arrangement, I feel like he would get people to, you know, the judges to turn their chair around for him. But here on the show, in the context of what's happening, you say, no, he wouldn't. (laughs) He would. He would. No, he wouldn't. He would. Uh, No, if there, it depends on who was on that stage. If there was, if Kelly Clarkson and Jennifer Hudson and John Legend and uh, what's his face from Rose 5. (laughs) Whoever this is a current judge. We're up on that stage. I guarantee you, Jennifer Hudson and Kelly Clarkson would both be waiting for that chorus and they would want to hear what he does with that chorus. And when they hear Fair. that he goes into falsetto on a Whitney Houston song, 
they're not turning around. They're just not. It's even worse. I, here, it's fine. I would argue the opposite. On The Voice, no. He would get... He, no one would turn around. Okay, so maybe just... maybe let's pretend that like this is like he's a couple weeks in. He already got picked, and now he's doing one of these performances like to get the votes. Maybe in that case, I would say okay, this is a this is good here. Um, but like I don't know. My my whole point of that was just to say that like in other contexts, I feel like maybe this could be you know seen as a little bit better. But here, it's like the the whole storyline itself also is a little strange about how it just randomly like oh like Blaine and Kurt are fighting for an episode so that they can both do a number here. Uh, you know. It, in this episode, but um, whatever. I don't know. Uh, I have nothing lands here at number 30, what, 37, I think it was? 30, yeah. So, uh, Guys, I love Chris Colfer. I think he's a fantastic actor, and I think he's a fantastic singer. He's just, they gave him such weird songs during some of these episodes, and that's just it. That's it for me. Okay. Um, let's keep moving on to number 36. I think you like this one, if I my memory serves uh, correctly. So uh, maybe you'll have some more positive you feedback. You make me feel so young. You make me feel like spring has sprung. Every time I see you grin, I'm such a happy individual. The moment that you speak, I want to run and play hide and seek. I want to go and bounce the moon just like a toy balloon You and I we're just like a couple of tots running around a meadow picking up all those forget-me-nots You make me feel so young You make me feel there are songs to be sung Bells to be rung and a wonderful fling to be flung. And even when I'm old and gray, when I'm old and gray, I'm gonna feel the way I do today because of you make me feel so young. All right, was that correct? Do you like this one? You make me feel so young. Yeah, I like this one a lot more. Definitely. Okay, uh, <laughs> okay good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit more in his in his lane, a little bit more, you know, his style. In his Blaine. For his voice. Yeah, yeah, definitely a little bit more in his Blaine. Um, yeah, no, I, I I like this, and I think that the placement is fine. I don't like that it's right up against Whitney Houston, but I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. Um, yeah, there's You Make Me Feel So Young from season five. The audience had it even lower at, uh, at towards the bottom. But again, a very weird, uh, you know, margin of, uh, of points over there on that side of things. But um, yeah, so it lands here at number 36. You Make Me Feel So Young. Um, keeping on rolling here to number 35. Uh, we're going to season two, and I'm not sure if uh, this is a beloved song that I... Um, Let's talk about it after. Here's 35. Together. 
So, uh, good. Good stuff. Uh, La Jazz Hot from your favorite episode of the show. So, again, I turn to you first. I'm shocked that this is this low. I'm shocked. Um, this, to me, is Kurt. He sounds great. Looks great. Um, he does it well. This is his wheelhouse. I'm shocked that this is this low. Um, does it make sense when you think about the fact that like the song is not a song that I think is like got much replayability? If that's fair, maybe I'm speaking too much for myself. Um, maybe, but I also don't feel like a lot of songs, Kurt's, uh, a lot of songs, Kurt's, a lot of Kurt's songs are replayable. Like he doesn't really sing a lot of songs that you, you know. Yeah, so I bop too. Yeah, but I think this is definitely a top performance from him. So, okay, I didn't expect it to be in the third group. I could see the second, maybe the third group. No, I mean I, I just absolutely know. What number are we on now? Song. This is a uh, thirty-five out of forty-six. Interesting. So the audience had it at twenty-three. It ended up down here at thirty-five. So, like I said, I, I really just I nothing this song, and I can't really do much mental gymnastics to convince myself that I'm like, you know, oh, I really like this. I don't know. I don't know. And I I, I recognize that's probably a hot take. I'm pretty sure a lot of people. I mean, uh, just that like last note at the end for me was yeah. sort of kind of what sells me on it. Like, that's not easy to do to start from that low all the way up to the top like that. Like, that's without any breaks, with no vocal breaks. That's mm-hmm. that's what I'm talking about when I'm like, that's what he, that's what we should be celebrating about his voice. And we shouldn't just be making him sing high for the sake of singing high when that song doesn't necessarily call for that style of, that vocal styling, you know what I mean? But this song calls for it and he does it well. So I'm, I'm shocked that this is this low, but I guess we got well, you to blame for it. You probably should have done a better job selling me on it, you know, when we watched it or something like that. And maybe I would have, uh, I don't know. No, I really, I, I don't you think don't you could have done anything. You don't fuck with duet. It's uh, fine. To talk me up. So, um, yeah, I just, again, I, I don't really feel many things towards it. So Le Jazz Hot comes in at number 35. Let's keep on moving. Four more songs to get to today before we close things out. Here is song number 34. We're bouncing back to season four. Alrighty there. Uh, bring him home. It's the uh, the you know annual <laughs> competition between Rachel and Kurt. Uh, one of them can uh, only one can win, and this time it's going to be Kurt Hummel. All right. Well, that's all right. I still think Rachel won this, but I mean Kurt does a good job here. Um, I think this placement is fine because I think that this, we run into the risk of what I've been saying before. I'm not going to say it again. But so um, this is this is Les Mis, right? So. 
Um, mm-hmm. This is just, you know, there's a reason why I stopped going to like, you know, Broadway plays and whatnot to like, you know, check out all the great stuff there. It's just, like, this is a performance. If I was watching it on a stage that I would literally be looking at the program, like, okay, how many more songs to go before I get to go home? Like, <laughs> I just, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, but like, I can't, I can't lie to you. Like, it's just, I'm like, put me home, let me go home. Is you know, no, generally. I don't, I don't, I don't blame you. Um, not every classic musical is like a a, a hit for me either. Like, I know that a lot of people love Les Mis, and I appreciate Les Mis for what it is, but yeah, it's not a musical that I'm typically like, like, yeah, let's watch that shit. I'm like, eh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Well, there is that one. Bring Him Home lands at number 34. Let's get off to number 33. Amon, it's a Christmas song. Let's hear it. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas With every Christmas card I write May your days, may your days, may your days Be merry and bright and may all your Christmases be white. Whoa, whoa. I, 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 I'm dreaming of a white Christmas with every Christmas card I write. Oh, may your days be merry and bright. Right, White Christmas comes in at uh, number 33. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Um, yeah, this is all right. It's my least favorite, I think, of the Christmas duets between the two of them. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, that's fine. a good thing. That that's it's a good thing cute. that it comes in here. Exactly. Exactamundo. Because if it's it came I. Any higher, you would be like, "What? There's so many other better Christmas songs, you know." So, all right, White Christmas comes in here. Um, it's uh, totally inoffensive, and I don't mean you know like offensive. I mean you know it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother anybody. It's uh, you know cute, of course, in Glee actually, as uh, Blaine shows up as a nice surprise to Kurt, and they all have a good time. You know them alongside Bert in New York. So it's uh, I don't think they're trying to do anything spectacular here. I feel like that's a lot of things also with some Kurt performances. Like are they trying to make this a big great moment, or are they just trying to be like here's a fun Blaine and Kurt duet? Uh, you know some of the other ones as well, like Perfect and Story of My Life. It's like we're just I don't think we're trying to create magic here on the show. It's just let's let them sing the song. So that is uh, is that. And I feel like that's fine because that's why it lands in the lower third of Kurt's songs. Uh, number 33, White Christmas. Two more to go. Here is uh, number 32. It is from season two. Oh, can get a thrill. sweaters and sitting still. That's okay for some people who don't know they're alive. Some people can thrive in blue, living life in the living room. That's perfect for some people of 105. But I- 
see and all the places I gotta play, all the things that I gotta be at. Come on, Papa, what do you say? Some people can be content playing in bingo and paying rent. That's peachy for some people, for some humdrum people to be. Right, that's uh, Kurt singing at his solo audition in season two when Jesse St. James comes by and offers up, you know, who wants to get the solo? And it's like, Rachel's obviously going to get it, but I guess everybody can sing something along the way. And this is Kurt's. I forgot all about this song. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. I forgot all about this song. So I guess that's exactly why it's down here. I'm surprised as high as it is because I completely forgot all about it. Ooh. Uh yeah, I think uh, I think he definitely sounds good on it. I think it's um I guess I guess it's proving to not be the most memorable. Uh the audience actually had it a little bit lower. So, um if you forgot about it and the audience had it lower, did I do this? I guess so. I, I don't know how I did this because it I kind of share a similar sentiment to you, but this is where it landed. I told you it was going to be a weird weird ranking here. So, some people lands in at 32. Not much else to say about it, right? Yeah. That's about it for me. All right. Yeah, I mean, uh, out of the uh, the four performances that we get there, if we get one from Rachel, Santana, Mercedes, and Kurt, I'd probably say Kurt's is the least memorable, um, even though I can't remember off the top of my head what Mercedes does. I know Santana does Back to Black, and Rachel does, I think, My Man, but what does Mercedes do there? I have no idea. Mercedes sings uh, Try a Little Tenderness. Ah, yes. Okay. So let's close out the day here let's get this very long show wrapped up as we're going to uh get to song number 31 closing out the bottom 16 of kurt's performances we are going to season three for this one and let's do it let's wrap it up to not knowing when the truth in my whole life I'll remember, which is Kurt's goodbye song. I won't, because right, I, I forgot about this song. <laughs> oh, man, the shade, the shade. That's something I would have said if uh, I had thought about it. But uh, no, this is Kurt's goodbye song in the goodbye episode of season three. You know, everybody's on their way out, and Kurt does get us a, a chance to sing. It's not all the Rachel show all the time. So Kurt sings this to say goodbye to everybody, and it lands here at number 31 to close out the day. Well, um, yeah. Nice. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He sounds great. It's a good song for him. I forgot about it. Ah, I did not remember. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I I do not think I forgot about this one. I did remember that he sang it, and uh, I don't know that that episode. Just you know, I don't think I forgot much about that episode because it's such a big one. So yeah, uh, Kurt singing. I'll remember as he sang goodbye to his class, uh, the underclassmen, I guess, and to all of his other friends that, you know, he's not going to see as much anymore. So that's pretty sad. Um, but that's a story for season three, which is not what we even talked about in this podcast. Season three is coming up next in part two. We're going to talk about season three, season four, and get to the next 15 songs in the countdown. So there's that. Anything else for you from today? I think we uh, said a lot. <laughs> I think I think that's, yeah, I, I'm done bashing Kurt. <laughs> I'm done. Okay. That sounds good to me. I think we can get out of here. Uh, we have uh, Kurt. The lowest ranked Kurt song was Get Back with Rachel. And that's about, as of now, about like 13 spots from being the bottom spot. So uh, Kurt Hummel, not really in danger of being in the bottom, bottom, bottom of all of the Glee songs and specifically talking about being the bottom of Glee songs. I don't know why I'm going here with this stupid joke. Um, let's see. I, I think we have a review. I think we have a review to get to real quick. Um, we have a review from Bucket320 who I don't know if they were number 100 or 101 as far as our ratings, our reviews go, but either way, thank you very much. Said a phenomenal podcast with two phenomenal hosts. I'm a newbie to the pod, but over less than a month, uh, but, but over less than a month, I have gotten all the way through season four and I am loving it. I've always been a major gleek and it's Damn. nice to hear people have such strong opinions about a show we all love so much. Keep killing it, Matt and Amon. Damn. He listened to us. That quickly? That's a lot of episodes to be dedicating in a in a month. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Just that's the that's the right move. You just gotta like get started and go for it. Because if you like give yourself too much time, like in between, that's when you're like, okay, this show is kind of silly at times. Maybe I don't really care to continue on. You just gotta keep going. <laughs> Did you just basically tell our listeners just keep listening, even if yeah, <laughs> even if... just keep going. Just don't stop. Don't stop. Thinking about listening to us tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Bucket. I, we appreciate <laughs> it. Oh, what a name. Bucket. 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 We have to go. Okay. okay. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I have nothing else for today. We'll see you in part two. Aman, where can everybody find us and whatnot? You can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at Choir Room Pod. You can follow us individually. I'm at, I'm at Aman Adwin. Matt's at Matt Ligori. Make sure that you are leaving us star ratings and reviews wherever you get your podcasts. We'll read them aloud on the show, just like the one we did now. And until next time, guys, we will glee you later. Oh,